Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. And welcome to this live spoiler review of The Flash, brought to you by The Geek Buddies! <laughs> hey! Yeah. Oh, look at that. So you sync up three multiple universes, three more universes into one. I like that as a, as a good beginning for this. Yeah, we are here to talk about this movie, The Flash, which dropped this weekend. And as we're recording this, is precipitously dropping in the box office, uh, unfortunately, for the people who've made the movie and, of course, for DC and uh, everyone involved with the film. This is one that they held off on for quite some time, defended, stood by, uh, wrote out the uh, negative negative, uh, reactions to keeping Ezra Miller on, not uh, shelving this one like they shelved Batgirl, and this one, of course, coming just a few weeks after the release of Across the Spider-Verse in a world where multiverses have even won a best picture now. It's an interesting time for this film to have come out. We all know it went through a litany of directors, a three different regime changes at Warner Brothers, apparently multiple different endings that were shot and scrapped, number of cameos that were shot and scrapped, and now finally... The film debuted this past Friday or Thursday night, I guess, if you lived in one of those cities. And uh, now here on Monday night, we are here on the Geek Buddies to break it on down. So I'm going to tell you right now, put on your seatbelt, strap in. We are going to be speeding into everything about this movie. But let's introduce ourselves first. I am the outlaw John Roker, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And I made myself two drinks. (laughs) For this discussion. Wait, wait, wait. Because... Before we get to Shannon, which one is the bar- younger drink and which one is the older drink? Which one of the drinks is the berry drink and berry too? Well, neither of these has the most annoying laugh ever, so I don't think oh. either of them is berry too. Wow. But wow. Uh, we'll say we'll say this is this is berry one, and we'll say this is uh the less annoying berry two. <laughs> okay. Shannon. Uh Vogel needs 
two drinks because, as you see, he's an introvert. Uh, and this is Shannon McClung. <laughs> I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you can see some of our current work right now on Netflix with Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, seasons one and two, and season three coming next month. Flat fast, like the Flash. Nice. Uh, on YouTube. Is that Sears? Who's that on your? Uh, is that uh, who is that? Is that Jay Garrick? Is it's that it's a... Jay Garrick. Right yeah, there, you go. That's Jay right. <laughs> Who got a cameo in this movie randomly <laughs> uh, near the end of this movie? Yes, this is a spoiler review. So we have, if you have not seen the Flash, for the love of God, stop here, go and watch it. If you want to watch it, then come on back and hang with us. If you don't give a, then off. Please stick around because we are going to spoil the hell out of this thing from top to bottom. We're talking cameos, Easter eggs. We're even going to uh, get into a little bit of a comparison to the source material of Flashpoint, the comic book, uh, as well, and dive into everything involved with this movie. So if you're worried about anything being ruined for you, now is the time to stop and get on out of here. Um, uh, and then come on back, for God's sakes, because we love because we love having you. Uh, just a reminder, Streamlabs and Super Chats are open right now. It is uh, up on the oh, – it's not actually – I'll pin it in the chat, but it's – in the description of the video, and you see it right there, Super Chats are already coming through from a number of people. So we will be answering them as we go along in the show. So, all right, let's get into the idea. Let's get into the uh, Flash and get an idea of what you all think about it, Michael and Shannon. Uh, this basically is a story of a young Barry Allen, or a little slightly older Barry Allen that we've seen at the Justice League last time we checked in with him. He is the janitor of the Justice League. He goes and remembers that he saves a bunch of babies, has a memory about it, the death of his mom because his dad's about to go up for an appeal. Uh, and then out of uh, pain, somehow discovers time travel, convince, uh, tries to tell Bruce Wayne, Ben Affleck wants to do it. He tells him not to do it. He does it anyway. Uh, he gets pushed out of this thing into another t uh, universe and uh, meets an 18-year-old Barry who's a big doofus. They work together. To he gives Barry his he gives second Barry his power gets Barry's powers and then they work together after after they go to find Michael Keaton in this alternate universe who's Batman uh, and they find Sasha Kaya who's Supergirl they all work together to destroy Zod and then realize actually Barry too has been doing this for such a long time and Barry one has to somehow break him of this habit and Barry one eventually understands the power of being a hero and matures by the end of the movie oh. And saves his dad. And we've got a new Batman in Barry One's universe. So that's essentially the broad brushstrokes of the movie. So, Michael Vogel, as you take a sip of Barry One, what are your overall thoughts here about <laughs> the Flash movie? Well, contrary to what Twitter would have you believe, the Flash is not the greatest superhero movie of all time, nor is it the worst superhero movie of all time. That's fair. It is just okay. Which in the big scheme of things is maybe worse. I don't know. Maybe maybe if it had been like a disaster of epic proportions, we could all agree about it, whatever. But no, the thing about that movie is it's not horrible. Wonder yeah. Woman 84 is a worse movie. Black oh. Adam is a worse movie. There are a lot of DC. I think it, I, there are a lot of Snyder fans out there. I enjoyed The Flash more than I enjoyed Batman versus Superman or Justice League. Um, so mm. it... It's not horrible. Okay. I think it's a little misguided in some ways, but I also think it just suffers. And I don't think that, you know, we'll talk a lot about Muschietti's directing. I, I don't know how much of this is even Muschietti's fault. Like this yeah. is a movie, as you said, that has gone through so many iterations, so many regimes. Yeah. You know, we'll talk about the ending of the movie, but there was an ending that was shot 
when Michael Keaton was going to be the new Batman. Right. There was an ending that was shot when he wasn't going to be the new Batman. And then apparently there was another ending that was shot because somebody said, hey, you know, it would be cool. So like between all the things going on with this and it kind of falling square, like this was supposed to be the movie that reset the universe before Gunn and Saffron were going to reset the universe. Right. And now it's sort of the movie that's not resetting a universe, but maybe it kind of is, but who really knows because nobody's talking. So it it's a movie that did that has a lot of really smart choices. And about half of them are not executed great. Wow. That is a good sum up of your overall feelings that I think is very fair, Michael. Absolutely. Shannon, uh, your turn on this uh merry go round here. What are your thoughts? On the Flash. I mean, this is a character that you like. It's not Aquaman level like, but you certainly like the Flash. Mm-hmm. So what were your thoughts coming out of this movie? And how many times have you seen it now? Um, so my feeling is that I was massively disappointed. Now, mm. part of that is my own fault because I bought into that hype at a CinemaCon. Yeah. Um, thinking that, you know, the folks that did say this is one of the best comic book movies ever, aside from James Gunn, who, you know, is banging the Warner Brothers drum right now. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I would I would love to find out more about those people who thought it was the best comic book movie all, of all time because how that, you would even entertain that in the conversation is just mind-boggling to me um but yeah i mean i I think this all kind of comes down to it because i am a fan of the flash um i just don't like ezra miller as barry allen i i think just horribly horribly cast i think in Zack snyder's justice league um i think the choices ezra made worked in an ensemble okay um i think when you make Ezra the lead and have another Ezra. Um, I think some of his some of their choices um, do not work as well. I think before younger Barry shows up, Ezra for me is so over the top, is so broad. I mean, it's bordering on Disney multicam territory. Um, uh, so that was really my big my big issue with it. And when you know, it, it, as an audience member, if you're not dialed in to your lead you're probably not going to enjoy the movie. Yeah. Now that's not to say that the movie is without merit because there was some great stuff when Michael Keaton shows up, even though like I didn't love the first scene when Michael Keaton shows up, yeah. um, man, that movie really got a lot better. Um, when Sasha Kaye showed up, uh, she, she is a, just a delight to watch. She mm-hmm. just has an intensity about her. Um, and that's not to say that Ezra didn't have some nice moments. That right. scene with Ben Affleck, where they're talking about the perils of time travel. I'm like, yeah. this is a good scene. Ezra had a bunch of great scenes with Michael Keaton. I just think overall Ezra Miller for me is just never going to work as, as Barry Allen. And I'm keeping my fingers crossed that this was Ezra's swan song as that character. Well, I think if you're judging from the box office, I don't think you can take any other message from the box office than here is a perfect opportunity for them to wipe the slate clean. And I am wearing a Snyderverse shirt, but even I can tell you, and I support and love the Snyderverse, even though I recognize its faults, that it's time. It's time to bury it and bury for lack of a better and move on from it once and for all. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and let and let James Gunn 
do his thing free and clear. And yes, you can bring over Sasha Kaya. I think that because that's not a Snyderverse thing. And you can bring over Blue well, Beetle, which I hope is what they're going to do because Gunn has already said he's going to continue. But I think all these allusions to the Snyderverse era need to be over. And hopefully this is the last of them after we're done with Aquaman 2, if that even comes out. Uh, Michael, you were going to say something? It, I mean, but even the Sasha, I mean, it, we're still living in this weird, and I do think this is, I mean, we talk, there's a lot of talk on Twitter about why did it fail? Why did it fail? Yeah, and yeah. I do think it's hard to define your multiverse when nobody knows what's in or out of your universe. That's a good point. And so even yeah. now, as we're getting into the gun universe with Superman Legacy being like, well, but but maybe Sasha Kai is going to stay and I hope and Blue Beetle should stay because the movie's coming out, but not Barry and not, but maybe Jason Momoa, but I don't know about Gal. Like, we're still living in this very confusing thing. And I think unless they make a really hard line in some way, it's going to continue to be really confusing. And I think yeah. the DC confusion is not the only reason that the movie had the box office did, that it did this weekend, but I think it's a factor for sure. Yeah, I think 100% you're right. Someone has to come out, whether it's Gunn or Saffron or Zaslav, and come out and say definitively, this is who's in, this is who's out. And I hope after the reception to this movie that they finally do that once and for all. And by the way, I'm a low-key think, I low-key think that James Gunn holding the Superman legacy auditions and screen tests on the same weekend that The Flash comes out is real suspect to me. I'll be honest with you, especially on a Father's Day weekend and Juneteenth. There's a lot of logic to me that doesn't make sense <laughs> why you would have it on the same weekend as The Flash coming out and a holiday and people want to do the Why wouldn't you wait a week or two to have you these are, tests? Maybe you are, but I don't you know. You are literally yes. the... the yes. Always sunny in Philadelphia meme right now. You are literally like, you are just connections all over the place. Hey, look, it works for some people, these conspiracy theories things. But anyway, I just think it's odd that he would do that the same weekend. But he did come out and say a year ago that it was an excellent movie. It was one of the greatest superhero movies he's ever seen. And so obviously people are entitled for their, to their opinion. Stephen King talked glowingly about the movie. Tom Cruise apparently loved the movie and reached out to Andy and Barbara Muschietti to tell them the same thing. So, but Mike, what you brought up earlier, I agree with you. I think, I don't think you can judge Andy from this movie. I think it's a miracle that Andy was even able to get this movie onto the screens, get Michael Keaton to come back as Batman, which nobody thought or even considered was possible bringing in all those cameos and making them somewhat work in my opinion, uh, especially mm. that final cameo with a certain uh, certain somebody from ER and then the you know but of course that final final scene you can forget it in the post credit scene but let me run through this real quick the the it started out for some of you who remember let's blow some dust off this Seth Graham Smith was originally attached to the product uh, project before he left over creative differences Rick Famuyiwa who has since directed like 30 episodes of the Mandalorian was uh, was attached to this project and then he left over creative differences John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein from Game Night uh, were part of this, who just did a wonderful Dungeons and Dragons movie. They were a part of this and also led uh, left from creative differences. So there were quite a number of people. And the rumor is that there were almost 45 different writers on this script, although they credit Christina Hodson, who wrote Bumblebee and Birds of Prey. Um, but there was 45 different writers on this script. So it seems like the film, my opinion, although I enjoyed the movie and enjoyed my experience, I've seen it twice now, 
the mishmash of stuff that they're trying to make work without a coherent thread throughout that makes sense that you can connect to and go step by step through the movie is the biggest issue of the film. I like Ezra Miller. I thought he did a wonderful job acting both of the characters, making you believe. I thought they did a wonderful job acting both of the characters, making you believe that they were uh, this particular Barry and this particular Barry at two different times yep. in their lives in two different universes. I loved it. I loved Michael Keaton coming back as Batman. I really enjoyed it. He seemed to be having so much fun. Uh, I love such a Kaye Supergirl. I thought she was great, and I wanted more from her. Zod, I think my man, was cashing a paycheck and doing a favor for his brother, Zack Snyder, who gave him the go-ahead, which he said in interviews. I mean, they even brought back the actress who played his second-hand uh, right-hand woman in uh, A Man of Steel, and she didn't say a damn word, but they still brought her back. So interesting stuff. Great to see Jeremy Irons back as well. And the overall story they're trying to tell is this is a Flash who is struggling and in pain and has essentially lost both parents. Okay, how do I do this? I stumble into the speed force. I stumble into time travel. And from there, I'm just going to make all these rash decisions and fuck everything up. And at the end, I'm going to tell the Flash that I created that, hey, man, we need to calm down. I know I showed up and destroyed your entire fucking world, but like we need to stop doing this, man, because we got to move on. That, to me, a little bit got so muddy, and the science of it all got super muddy. That being said, there were some very funny moments for me. There were some uh, good. Uh, there were some good action sequences overall. And although my companion or my compatriot Shannon, Shannon McClung will disagree, I liked the opening baby scene with the CGI. But we will get into all of that as oh. we go. Here. I I actually this is a fun one for me. Yeah. Th this was this is a fun one for me because I kind of feel like. I will fall somewhere between the two of you on this one, which is a nice, a little, a geek buddy yeah. sandwich where I get to be the meat is, uh, it's kind of nice for a change. Oh my. I'm usually, I'm usually like a really, a really strong slice of bread on one end. And I kind of feel like I'm just going to sit right nicely in the middle between yeah. a, a slab of Roca and a slab of McClung. Hello. Uh, well, I, I have, I've created a sheet here because I do want to kind of uh, follow along and don't want us to go too far all over the place so the first thing i have on my sheet which is something that i think shannon and i have just kind of threw our two cents in so michael let's get your thoughts ezra miller's performance as both barry allen and barry allen and flash one and flash two your thoughts overall on ezra miller's performance and shannon if you want to add more to what you said earlier i'll go to you after that michael well, so like I, I mean like i said i kind of feel like i'm in the middle here because i agree with shannon that i don't know that what ezra is doing is to me the quintessential Barry Miller, Barry, 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 Barry Allen, Miller. Barry Miller, Barry Allen. Um, but I don't know. I, I look all of all of the issues outside with everything that they've done in real life and all of the controversy. Yeah, Ezra Miller's a damn good actor, I think. Yeah, and I think that Ezra Miller has some amazing moments in this movie. Mm -hmm. I think that as main universe Barry Allen. I, for the most part, really enjoy them. Like, I think they do a really, really good job. I do find 18-year-old Barry to be very annoying, particularly mm -hmm. that laugh just kills me. But that that goes to a bigger issue that I don't know is an Ezra issue. Like, I feel like this movie, um, I'm probably going to bring up Lord and Miller a lot as I, as I try and do comparisons here because I think one of the issues that The Flash has is it sort of overshoots on its comedy sometimes mm. at the expense of its superhero-ness. And 
you watch Spider-Verse, which, you know, I I said to several friends, I'm like, I kind of wish I had seen The Flash first and Spider-Verse oh, second. Yeah, I agree. It, yeah. it kind of screwed it to do it the other day because Spider-Verse to me is so amazing. And Lord and Miller have this amazing ability to do really stupidly broad comedy, whether that is a giant Spider-Man T-Rex or like Spider-Man zipping up his fly. Like they do really broad comedy right next to really emotional moments and they make it work. Whereas the flash really shot for some comedy. And I feel like maybe lean too far. Like, so for example, Barry two is supposed to be 18 years old, but really wants Barry one to put him in a pillow fort. Like to me, that's not like an honest moment. That's like a, uh, maybe, maybe we're playing Barry like he's eight. And so I feel, so all that being said, back to your original point, comedy aside, I think Ezra is a really good actor. I think they really made me feel emotions like that moment at the end with them and with Barry and his mom in the grocery store. Like I feel that moment. And so I think I understand when you watch the movie why there were people at Warner Brothers that were like, we really want to keep Ezra around. I think that yeah. they are magnetic on screen. I just think that maybe some of the choices were a little bit overly broad. Yeah, I think you're not wrong in terms of the story and some of the comedy. There are moments. Certainly I enjoyed most of the comedy, but I can totally see how some of it went a little too far, a little too overboard and what have you. And look, all of us have read Flash comic books, the three of us. And so we know there's there's comedy oh, inherent. A lightness, in yeah. Yeah, there's a lightness, but... Certainly there were moments like the tooth going into his mouth thing that you're like, why, why, why was that necessary? You know? So uh, <laughs> Shannon, do you, please feel free to um, uh, in, uh, talk some more about your thoughts on, on Ezra Miller as Barry. And let me ask you this, which is the worst miscast? Cause I didn't know you felt he was miscast. This is new to me here. Is Ryan Reynolds the worst miscast as Green Lantern or is Bar- uh, Ezra Miller the worst miscast as Barry Allen in your opinion? Wow, that's that's a that's a tough question, Johnny, because I asked. we were introduced. <laughs> we- <laughs> that was not a softball. Um, we we were introduced to Ezra in a very compromised film in that yeah, first yeah. Justice League, yeah, yeah. and then when we got to see Zack Snyder's Justice League, Ezra had a lot of had had a lot of nice moments. And again, I think when you're getting that sort of, you know, wide-eyed new entry into this this incredible world. I yeah. thought Ezra actually had some had some nice moments. Um but also the story wasn't resting on Ezra Miller's shoulders. Mm. Um when we get to the Flash, um this it is it is Ezra and Ezra's movie and I I feel like I have the only other thing I've seen Ezra Miller in was we need to talk about Kevin, which you oh, know yeah. he played Ooh. a bow wielding, uh, bow and arrow bow and arrow wielding um, teen, yeah. um, which really really good um, did, did a did a fantastic job. That yeah. was the first thing I saw Ezra Miller in, and knowing that they were going to be cast as the Flash, I'm like a crazy kid from <laughs> we had a we need to talk about Kevin. So watching the trailers, I remember when we watched that first trailer at uh, Comic-Con for Justice League, you get that moment between uh, Bruce with with he and Bruce. Um, And I was like, oh, this is this is interesting. Like, this is not Barry as I'm used to, as I have read. But this but this is interesting. Um, Again, by the time. Oh, in Fantastic Beast. I thought Ezra Miller did a great job. And like in a movie that I don't think is good. I thought Ezra Miller did a really, really good job in that first Fantastic Beast movie. Um, I think what it comes down to with The Flash is um, I don't find Ezra Miller funny. Um, I, I think a lot of that comedy, again, is just super, super broad. All the moments in that opening 
in the suit and the there was just so much multicam face acting going on that it's like, my God, you know, some, someone needed to tell them, like, you need to dial it back about 30%. By the time young Barry gets there, I feel like old Barry, Ezra really settles into that older Barry performance. That's fair. And as much as I didn't like the interpretation of young Barry, um, as an audience member, I, under, I understood how they got there because it was like, OK, this is this is an individual who has not dealt with the tragedy of losing two parents that, you know, they haven't had the weight of the world on their shoulders. So they're going to be a, a bit of an idiot. Again, I think they just went too far with it yeah. and you needed you needed to dial it back some uh, in terms of the miscast. I mean, again, uh, in this version of the story, which granted Muschietti was. Ezra was going to be the Flash no matter what. So right. Muschietti didn't really have a whole lot, you know, he didn't have any say in that. <laughs> like, right, this is right. this is your lead actor. Um, for this particular story, um, to me, they did feel they did feel miscast. I mean, even looking back at Justice League um, before all of the tumult, yeah. um, I was just like, I, I just, that's just not who I see as Barry Allen, despite the fact that I thought their performance was was fine, was, yeah. was a good supporting performance. Um but yeah, I mean, and even as younger Barry at the end, when we get there, those scenes back and forth, I'm like, okay, I feel like they've kind of settled into a nice, they've settled into a nice rhythm here. Yeah, it's yeah. just going for that comedy. Again, I think, you know, we talked about it on our show last week, what the tone of this movie was. Yeah. It was a little all over the place. I, I do think you can split up Ezra's scenes mm. and you can look at when are, when are they playing the comedy and when are they playing the emotion? And I think for both young and old Barry, almost across the board, when they're playing the emotion, they're great. Yeah. And when they're playing the comedy, it turns a little broad like Shannon's talking about. Yeah, I think that's a good delineation, Mike, actually. And, and Shannon, I totally see your point of view on how you uh, see Ezra's performance as well as both of these characters. You know, there's a story here to tell. Like, how do these two loving parents that we meet in that universe create this giggling doofus like you're just like how is that possible that he would come out of that kind of parenting in a very uh, incredible house and loving house and whatever like how would he come out to be this irresponsible this much of a doofus or whatever and then they have their interactions but it was almost like barry had gotten a a younger brother almost overnight and how do you navigate that and i think it all leads to that moment where barry one yells at barry too and is like it calls him out on everything and Barry too, like goes, dude, you're such a dick, you know. And then, and, and then when you think they're going to go their opposite directions, Barry one really takes it and apologizes, which I think is a growth moment. And Barry too deal says, yeah, dude, it's okay, you're not bad, man. It's you know, you, I can get obnoxious. I totally get it. So there was an understanding between them that I thought was really cool to see. If you bought into the fact that they're kind of essentially brothers and the progression of it all. And he really did care about him when he was hit, getting hit by lightning and all of that. Barry, too, really does care. So what Michael is saying, I think, is a good way to delineate it. The emotional scenes work with Ezra. The comedy maybe didn't 100 percent get there um, when you look at it through Shannon's point of view, which I think is fair completely. Um, let's take a quick break because we're at the half hour mark. And then I want to ask you guys. Uh, one, let's get into the Michael Keaton thing and then we'll hit some of these stream labs and super chats here. Uh, when we come back, uh, right after this, got nothing. Huh? Damn, okay. I got nothing. You know, you know, Shannon's mad about a movie when he doesn't even have like filler music. Here, Shannon, what's your filler music? We're going on break. 
<laughs> it's like it's like you're in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I got your junkie XL right over here. All right, let's move on. This is Michael Keaton as the Batman. Uh, uh, Shannon, I'll go to you first because I went to Michael first about the Ezra thing. Shannon, your thoughts on the Michael Keaton Batman stuff? He's introduced here. Is he the old guy? Long. Uh, some people thought that, including me, that that was maybe Michelle Pfeiffer in the trailer. No, it's actually uh, Bruce Wayne there with the long hair. Uh, he's in the sweater. He says Gotham's at peace. They don't need him anymore. He's not Batman anymore. He, he says he doesn't want to help. Then within two minutes, he's helping. He shaved his beard. He's ready to go. Uh, we get the Batwing stuff. We go to Russia. We have this awesome breakout scene, in my opinion, for Supergirl. And then we have these battle sequences and conversations. And essentially, in the end, Michael Keaton's Batman dies multiple times, uh, as well as Sasha Kaye's Supergirl multiple times. So what did you think about seeing Michael Keaton back? We get the, uh, we are not, uh, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts uh, line. Uh, we see, we hear the music and everything. We see him doing fights, which is pretty incredible for a 71 year old. So your thoughts overall, did, did you like it? And did it work story-wise? And was it everything you were hoping to see from Michael Keaton's Batman? Um, in terms of performance, loved it. Love seeing Michael Keaton again. Um, I think one of the things they, they may have banked on a little too heavily for this movie was the nostalgia factor. Uh, I was chatting with some folks at, uh, at work and yeah. some of them who have kids are like, why are you so excited about seeing this old guy play Batman? <laughs> because to them, Christian Bale is Batman. Yeah, Michael right. Keaton, Michael Keaton's not Batman. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, okay. That's a, that's a fair point. Performance wise. Michael Keaton is in that, uh, in this era of his career where it seems like, he just can't do anything wrong. Like he's yeah. just he's just a, a joy to see on screen. I think giving him a lot of your expository information was the right thing to do. Um, yeah. I loved I loved the the uh, spaghetti uh, analogy talking about timelines like, oh, this is this is a lot of fun. And then, you know, I, I think the stunt, the 25 the year old stunt double that they put in the suit <laughs> at the uh, at, in Siberia yeah. did a great job as well. Um, in terms of story stuff, it, I think it was probably missing some components that maybe would have been helpful. Like we're able to discern quite a bit that Gotham is safe now. There's no need for Batman. Yeah. And as a vigilante, he doesn't really know what to do with himself. So he grows his hair long, eats pizza and drinks red wine. Um, so I think maybe it would have been it would have been helpful for him to kind of, you know, have that have that line of dialogue saying like, you, you know, have Barry asking like you were a hero. What happened is like, well, I finished. <laughs> like it's 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 done. There's you know, there's there's no need for me anymore. Um, so, but having Michael Keaton back on screen and again, the movie, not just from his performance, but also from a, uh, you know, uh, uh, the point in the story, it just really, really takes off with him involved. I mean, I know in the trailer, we all flipped out when he said, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Watching it in the movie, there's no lead up. No, nope, it's just right. like. Okay, I mean, yeah. it, it, it really worked as a in the promotional material, but in terms of like what you're actually saying, you could have just said like, yeah, yeah, let, let's go. Yeah. Um, 
it was you know michael keaton's he he was just a he was just a lot of fun um one thing that you know i don't know if we'll get to this as we're talking in the review um one thing that i think as as an older bruce wayne he is kind of slipping if you're trying to keep the fact that you are batman a secret maybe don't fly a bat-shaped kite coming out of your mansion (laughs) But, but, you know, those scene that scene with uh, with Ezra, when when Michael Keaton is saying, you know, I tried to do this. I I thought I was going to be able to change the, you know, change what happened. You actually did like that was just such a nice, quiet moment from both of them. And you get that revelation that younger Barry doesn't know why Barry one came back. So, again, there's some re- there's some really like nice gems in this movie, even if I didn't care for the whole thing in its entirety. Fair enough, Michael. You're also a big uh, Michael Keaton Batman fan. Your thoughts overall on how he was presented in the movie? Did it work for you and Keaton's performance overall? I mean, I'm kind of with Shannon on this one. Keaton mm. as an actor is at that phase in his. He's at that Bill Murray. Uh, there's just certain actors who just get to that point where they're just like. I give no fucks and I'm perfect. And I'm good. Like every role, like I'm just like every line that I give, every nod of my head, like Keaton's Keaton's given it. He's given it in this movie and he is yeah. doing great. And so seeing him, seeing the bat cave, seeing the bat wing, seeing the batmobile, like it it hits all my nostalgia buttons and I enjoyed it. So I was happy to see him. To Shannon's point, uh, so it's hard to get into this without getting into the original Flashpoint, but part of the reason that Flashpoint, I think it's good. But yeah. part of the reason that Flashpoint, the comic and the animated movie works, yeah, is that look, ultimately this universe doesn't matter. Like it's it's a dead universe. Like it's not going to work. So this is all here to be like, what is Barry going to learn and what? But the Batman part is that in the Flashpoint comics, it's not Bruce Wayne, it's Thomas Wayne. Thomas. But in this alternate universe. Bruce got gunned down and Thomas Wayne was so upset that his son died that he became Batman and Martha Wayne was so upset that she went crazy and became the Joker. Right. And so Bruce Wayne in Barry's universe has his issues with his parents. But when Thomas Wayne in this other universe finds out that there's a universe where his son lives. Yeah. He's at the end of the movie. He's like, he's like, Barry, go back to that universe and tell my son I love him. Here's and a letter. Barry goes, Here's a letter. So, so, yeah, yeah, and yeah. obviously, look, obviously that's not what they were doing, and I'm not saying they needed to do that in this movie. But what they do need to do is say, what is it that the Batman, what is it that Ben Affleck Batman is missing that Michael Keaton Batman, like what is this connection between these two Batmans of other universes so that when Barry goes back, he yeah. says something to Bruce, which obviously he doesn't, given the structure of this movie. But what would Barry say to that Batman that, like, makes this all matter to Batman? Like, what is yeah. the Batman story here? Yeah. And a story that Batman has, which is, I did it. Like, that's like 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 Michael Keaton's version of the story. Yeah. That's not really an arc. There's no emotional arc to, hey, I wanted to stop crime. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> So why are you like hiding in a cupboard and like acting like a crazy man? Like you did it. Like take a lap. Cool. Like as opposed to something horrible happened and like there's plenty to pull from, like pull from the Michelle Pfeiffer, pull from the Danny DeVito, pull from anything and say that he had this tragic thing that he failed and that Barry showing up and re-inspiring him gave him an arc. But going, eh, 
I did it. I'm done. I'm gonna make some spaghetti. Yeah. Okay, no, I'm back in. Like it's he's there's just not a lot of there there. And look, Keaton makes the most of what he's got. And so when Keaton at the end is like, "Hey, you did save me, Barry." I'm like, "Look, I believe it. Keaton's a great actor, but it's just there's not really an arc for that Batman. Like there's a yeah. it, 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 it looks like they're trying to build something for it, but at the end of the day, Barry's showing up to find a Batman that made Gotham better and solved crime. And then says, hey, why don't you put the suit on one more time to help me out? And then he dies. You're like, eh, he probably would have been better making spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, I agree with both of you. I think Keaton is fantastic in the movie. And he he gives the levels and the story beats that are missing in the movie in his performance, right? In his words, in his dialogue. And you say to yourself, if you're a learned moviegoer, you look at this, you go, that's missing. That's missing. That's missing. But... I'm inferring that something was going on here with him so that he delivered a line like that to Barry Allen. It reminds me of somebody, some other death scene where the guy's like, you, you did it. You did bring me back. You did bring me back. It's okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, fucking Jedi. When he says, you can tell your sister you were right. You did bring. Thank you for bringing me yeah. back. Right? I mean, yeah. that's essentially that moment. You did bring me back. So if we had, if we had spent time with maybe a scenes without Barry where we see this Michael Keaton, this Bruce Wayne, like seeing the stuff, seeing Zod showing up, seeing that ship ship showing up and then and then like going, I can't get dragged back into this. Go, uh, maybe even having that Ben Affleck Batman scene where we see him seeing all the relics of the mistakes that he had made from his past in the Michael Keaton version. That would have been super interesting. I agree. There's, we have to have the reasons for why he wants to jump back into the game. Why this kid showing up out of nowhere makes him want to jump back into the game. We have to see it and so that we can be invested in his journey in this part of the movie because we already spent so much time being invested in the Barry part of the journey. We, If you're going to bring Michael Keaton back, you got to give us more. Bring up. We connect. Yeah. Bring up this fantastic 314 comment right here in the chat. So look. I am fine with him mean? not taking a lap unless you're going to trot him out 30 years later. Like, so hold on. If he gets you're, back you're, on the track, he's got to take a lap. You're, you're right. 100% right. I was happy for Keaton to have saved Gotham from the Joker and to save Gotham from Penguin and yeah. to know that Selena was still out there. It was all good. But if you're going to trot him back out, you can't just say, hey, you did it 30 years ago. You're cool. Like, right, right, then right. why did he grow his hair long and paint weird cupids? Like, I don't know. Yeah, so, yeah. like, if you're going to put him back in the movie, <laughs> you have to create a reason for it. So you are correct. He did his lap. Keaton has earned his stripes yeah, yeah. as the Cape Crusader, as far as I'm concerned. But for this story to work, you need a compelling reason for why did Barry showing up make Bruce's life better right. than if he had just stayed in Wayne Manor doing what he was doing. Right, right. What was what was what was he afraid of here? Why did he shut himself off? Because I mean, at the in Dark Knight Rises, we find out that Bale has been that Bruce Wayne hasn't done anything for eight years, right? right. And we want to find out why. And the same thing here, why did he let his hair grow? Why is he being the Howard Hughes of this situation? What happened here that sent him into this place and his like his door is open. He's living in uh, Doctor Strange's weird ass mansion uh, from Multiverse of Madness. So you're like, well, what is going on here? Why? And uh, there should have been more explored. That being said, the nostalgia of it was incredible. Yeah. The magic, the Batwing coming down, 
the music coming back, the bats coming out. And I think that whole sequence when they're uh, saving um, uh, Akara from uh, the Siberian station was incredible. And he was badass. And yes, his 25-year-old stump double, what have you. Uh, and if you go see it again, notice that they speed up the fight sequences. So I'm wondering if a little bit that might have been Keaton, a little bit trying some moves out in the cowl. I don't no. know. I don't know. No. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just, <laughs> just the first shot of him in the bat suit walking towards camera. Michael Keaton looked a little wobbly. <laughs> so there is no <laughs> there is no amount of <laughs> film manipulation that's going to make him look like that 25-year-old stuff. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> a man can handle a broom, though. He can handle a broom, which I thought was some funny physical I comedy. mean, that hair was in his face. It was. So. Right. It was. <laughs> uh, let's move on to one more thing here before we hit some Streamlabs and Super Chats and then circle back to do a little bit more of the review. Sasha Kaye, this is intro- she's introduced into the movie here. This we for those of you who've been following this story for quite some time, Andy Muschietti, there was supposed to be a Supergirl series or movie, and the video's up when Andy Muschietti calls Sasha Kaye to let her know uh, that she is Supergirl, and that is a Latino to Latina, letting them know they are going to play this uh, incredible character uh, in the world of DC. And she is emotional, and she's so just moved by the possibility of being able to do this. And then she's in this movie, and right near the tail end, joins up with the Berries and Bruce, and then goes out there to fight Zod and dies herself multiple times. But in between, we get an awesome uh, fight sequence with her in Siberia when the sun finally uh, elevates her, and as a pretty good fight sequence with Zod before the end comes for her. So... Uh, Michael, what did you think about uh, the introduction of Sasha Kaya? And did you think she worked as Supergirl? Would you like her to see her continue? So in Flashpoint, the comic and the animated movie, it's actually Clark. Like it is just that Clark landed somewhere else and he's been kept and they find Clark Kent and he's weak just the way that Kara is. And he comes out and he learns how to be the hero that he is in another universe. I think the switch to making it Supergirl was one of the smarter things that they did. I think mm-hmm. that's a brilliant, brilliant idea. And I think Sasha Kaya does great. Yeah. Um, I think in every scene that she's in, she is awesome. And I would 1000% be on board with seeing more of her as Supergirl. I wish she had had more to do. I think that Akara, who had been basically tortured her entire life by humans, flying over and seeing Zod beat some people up and being like, that's not who Kryptonians are. I'm on your side is a little bit rushed. And again, like, look, it's a two, it's an over two hour movie. So this is one of the issues you have is with this many storylines and this many characters, how do you parse it all out? But I just wish she had had more to do because I thought she was so great. Yeah. Like, I, I I, really, I bought her. I accepted her as Kara. I thought everything she did was awesome. Um, had she, and also like, and we'll get into my issues mm. with the whole third act battle with Zod, but like, they, they basically save her. She gets better. She yeah. flies to Zod, comes back and says, hey, I'm on your team. And then they go fight Zod and like, as soon as they get to the Zod battle, everything kind of falls apart because it's like, you can't win. So I'm just yeah. watching you just get pummeled over and over and over again. And there's no there there. So had there really been some more going on, I would have really been into it because I thought she was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. 
I have to agree with that. I wish there was more with her. Really enjoyed her in the role. Would have liked to have seen. I think there's a scene missing with her and uh, and Keaton. I think there's a scene missing where it's Keaton who ironically has to tell her that humans are worth saving. That yes, they can be terrible. Like it's not the berries that should say this. It should be the older, learned guy who at times has hunted down humans and hated humans to have him be the one that's telling Kara about it. And you would have had a Superman Batman scene, which I think in essence, which I think would have been awesome to see uh, between them. And then maybe even a little bit of a button on the joke where he said, Superman, that seems a bit obvious. I'm not super Batman. You know, that if, if Sasha Kaye in a way had kind of retorted that without knowing she was retorting it, she leaves the scene and Keaton is there going, all right, I see it now. So there was something that could have been really cool between them. So Shannon, your thoughts on Sasha Kaye, Supergirl, and um, the introduction and the character and how it worked in the movie? Loved it, loved yeah. it. She was great. I mean, I I am not overly familiar with her with her filmography. I know that yeah. she was on Young and the Restless, um, but I thought every every moment she was on screen, there is just an intensity behind her eyes. Yeah. Like I feel like her presence in the movie brought some needed weight that younger Barry took away a lot. Um, And also just the ferocity that she has in that fight scene after she finds out that they killed, they they killed Clark. Um, Just so, so well done. You just, she, she, again, we're we're basing this off of very little screen time, but um the moment she's on screen again, she's, she's a, she's a magnetic performer. Um, if there is an opportunity to either use her as Supergirl going forward or to give her another role, because hmm. I think she's, she's more, more I, than earned it. And what was great about another thing about her character is you get to see the difference in Kryptonians when they're raised by loving parents in Kansas versus experimented on. I mean, the whole thing where she's just like, son. wait, what? Like, no, screw you. I'm not sticking around here. Um, and then, like, I do agree with Vogel that she probably needed, it would have been nice to, to give her a little bit more, um, aside from watching Zod and the Kryptonians, you know, take out, you know, a little bit of the military. Um, but yeah, she was just dynamic, dynamic performance. And I hope we get to see more of her again soon. I will also, yeah. I will also say, just yep. for the record, that. The Supergirl movie that they are doing in Gunn's DC Universe is based on the Tom King run of Supergirl. That run starts with Supergirl turning 21 and flying to a planet that has a red sun Mm. so that she can get wasted. Sasha Kaye would nail that. Yeah, yeah. Like it is like the run that they're doing is like badass Supergirl. Yeah. And she would be perfect for it. So I really, as much as I, as I said earlier, the whole who is in, who is out in your universe is a fucking mess for DC. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I do think that she was so good and she was, I don't want to say wasted because it was a nice role, but I think there's a lot more that she could do with this role. And given the role, given the story arc that they are going to base her movie on, I would really love to see her continue. Yeah, I agree with that. 100%. 100%. Um, all right. There's almost there's almost 400 of you watching us live. Thank you very much for joining us. We know you could go other places for a spoiler review of The Flash. 
So we very much appreciate you all hanging out with us. Please remember to hit that subscribe button, hit that bell button right now. About to jump into these Streamlabs and Super Chats, and we're going to swing back to a little bit more of the review as well after we answer some of these. But please, as we're doing that, hit the subscribe button, hit that bell button here for the channel. Uh, Francisco Lopez says, The Flash is very okay. I very like this. I like the story that they were telling, but I feel like they didn't execute the movie right. I also like the concept of traveling the time, but it was ruined with all the CGI. All right. So maybe that's our segue to talk a little bit about <laughs> the CGI. Uh, I want to read you uh, any Muschietti's comments to IO nine when he was interviewed about this. He said, we are in the perspective of the flash. Everything is distorted in terms of lights and textures. We enter this water world, which is basically being, I can see Michael nodding in the corner of my, eye, which is basically being <laughs> in Perry's point of view. It was part of the design. So if it looks a little weird to you, that was intended, is what he said, to address the CGI complaints about the baby stuff at the beginning, and then Ooh. the travel fish There's... bowl, whatever thing that is, the arena bowl they have there, and then some of the CGI in the film as well. So um, I guess I'll give Shannon for a shot on this because Shannon uh, has been the most vocal about it. Shannon? Um, okay, so I will get to the babies in a second. <laughs> uh, but the moment that they had the weird CGI people I was just like, "What? Why this in, in the in the time travel bowl? Yeah, in the speed in the speed force. Like it's called like, it's called the Chrono Bowl. The Chrono Bowl. I apologize. Uh, yeah. Apologies. <laughs> apologies all around. Florida um, State versus Notre Dame in the Chrono Bowl. Go ahead. <laughs> um, a bunch of weird looking football players made out of CG. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, why? dude, like, what was this choice? Like, I, I just, I can't wrap my head around it. And then when we get to all those cameos at the end, that's the only justification I could figure out in my head is like, is that why you did it? So you could have folks that are, you know, ha that have come and gone show up as, as uh, other heroes. I'm like, what a, what a strange, strange decision. But to the babies, the moment that someone says that that was intentional, I'm like, that is BS. There is no way you would deliberately be like, we are going to have these because they, they switch back to normal babies at the end. They do. And, and, and granted, I know he says like, well, when you're in the Flash's world, this is what it looks like. I, I, again, I think Muschietti was working with what he had. I think there are some things that um, are not his decision that this is how they're going to do it. Mm. Um, and it, it's unfortunate because that whole opening, I hope we can talk about the opening, not just the CGI. Sure, um, sure. We will. But yeah, it was, yeah, list. it just wasn't great. Even the CGI of, of Ezra running at times. I'm like, this just doesn't look like you had so much time how did the, how did it look how did it look like this okay i'm done fair enough michael your thoughts i have worked on cgi projects <laughs> and part of the struggles of production no matter how much money you have is that you reach points where you're like can't we make this look any better this looks weird this looks weird to me. And you talk to your VFX team and you talk to your art directors and you talk to your production team and you said, can we have any more time? Can we have any more money? And everyone's like, ah, this is, look, we are at the limits. Like we have nothing left. And you're like, okay, this is what we've got. You can't say that in an interview. 
<laughs> you can't you can't come out and interview like hey so everyone's saying the cg looks bad yeah i thought so too oh god i wish we had three more fucking weeks like you just can't say that finally so, someone said it yes yeah you. like like you can't you can't say that so no i don't think that andy muschietti is happy with how the cgi looks in this movie i don't think that this is all an artistic choice and he really really wanted everybody to look kind of plastic and fakey um, I think everyone looks kind of plastic and fakey. I don't think it's the best CGI. And I think that whether that is production, budget, time, whatever it was, they didn't get where they wanted to get and they got as close as they could. And the director of the movie cannot come out on opening weekend and say, we tried our best guys. <laughs> like they just can't do it. So I don't, I don't think that Andy Muschietti's comments are correct. And I don't think he really believes them. And I think we can all agree, whether you loved the movie or not, and I think a lot of you in the chat loved the movie, yeah. I, I think we can all agree that that's not the best CGI we've ever seen. <laughs> and to push back slightly on Vogel's point, mm -hmm. and, and I will say this is, this is a feather in his cap, um, having seen Vogel moderate some panels before for Hasbro, yeah. um, uh, mainly having to do with My Little Pony, um, there there would be some very vocal fans who would ask some questions and would express their displeasure with the way something went. And Vogel, to his credit, much to Hasbro's chagrin, kind of gave gave the same answer, uh, where he's like, you know what, you're right. We, we I, I'm not a fan of how this turned out either, but sometimes you run out of runway. This is all we can. This is as this is as good as we can get it. Um, and, and there's again, a reason, there's a reason I'm not at Hasbro anymore. And we're doing a Geek Buddies <laughs> review right now. Wait, wait. <laughs> uh, thankfully, thankfully for our thankfully. Sake. Yes, yes. But I'll say this. I want to counter these two gentlemen and I disagree. I think Andy is telling the truth and I think Andy does. Uh, did want it to look this way. I think because of what you see, if you go back and watch those It movies, he does a lot of weird shit with Pennywise. That is, uh, you know, weird heads, weird smaller bodies, strange stuff, elongating shit. So I think he does like the look of this. I think there is logic. And I say Latino to Latino, South American to South American. I'm respecting him. This is actually what his intention was. But I don't think it, but I don't think it worked. Even me, the first time I watched it, I was like, why does it look like this? What is the point? But then when I want, I went back and watched some scenes from it today in the it chapter two. And I was like, ah, maybe, maybe there's some logic here for him that makes sense to have done the Corona bowl like this. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, but the baby stuff I think is a different reason. Uh, but I want to get through some more of these before we get. To the yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll get, uh, we'll get, we'll get back to them. Babies. <laughs> them babas. Uh, the microwavable babies. Francisco Lopez says, I love the flashes, the Batman, even the Clooney cameo and Supergirl. Also love that Barry was around in the big fight in Man of Steel. Yeah, an interesting moment there to see a little retconning there that Barry yeah. in the makeshift costume there saving a kid while his father is crushed by the rubble there. So yeah, interesting moment. Yeah, I you know that that's one of those that's one of those situations that I was like, oh, that's really cool. I mean, the, yeah. the comparisons to MCU Spidey are inevitable. 
Um, right, and this is another situation where you get to see them kind of uh, kind of ape a little bit. How it's like, you know what? Let's let's put him let's put him in this in the uh, the the Metropolis Metropolis battle. I thought that was actually fun. And Francisco, I'm thrilled you like the movie. Yeah. Um, you know, again, you know, you sometimes <laughs> we're not getting it right now, but in the but sometimes in the comments we can get uh, excoriated <laughs> for yeah, yeah. for expressing for expressing our honest opinions. And I would never begrudge anyone for liking something. And so if this movie worked for you, Francisco, I, I hope you go see it again and again because I don't and want I, the movie to tank. Yeah. And I will say I do like at least one of the flashes. I loved the Batman. I thought Batfleck. I thought Batfleck was good. I like Supergirl. Great. The Clooney cameo we'll get to in a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I actually, and I like that Barry was around in the Man of Steel battle. So like, actually, even though I feel like the movie, I, I feel like I probably didn't like the movie as much as you did. I actually do like most of the things that you liked. Just to be fair, Francisco said it was very okay. So that that's his thoughts. He didn't 100% love it, but he thought it was very okay. Brandon says, a happy Monday from, Lu oh, well, here's what I'll say. I, I like the flashes. I like the Batman. I like the Clooney cameo. Every The two times I went, the audience was like, oh, shit, both times. So it worked if that was the whole point of having the Clooney cameo. This is the second time they've retconned that Metropolis destruction, which I think is interesting. Batman v Superman, they have Batman, Bruce Wayne there, and then this time with the Flash. So it's interesting, but maybe that's the last time we'll be seeing that one. Uh, happy Monday from Brandon from Louisville. Seen the Flash twice, super fun. Barry's story had no emotional connection with me, but all the Batman and Supergirl scenes was my favorite stuff all summer. So that's it. I love a movie. It had no emotional connection, but it was a ride. That is accurate for this movie. I agree with you on all those points. You described my feeling about just about every uh, Schwarzenegger and Stallone uh, movie there. Um, Brandon says, does the box office improve? I mean, you know, action movie, not Copland. Over does the top, Johnny, you I'm heartless just, monster. Emotional connection? Come on. I wasn't feeling Come things. On. Terminator 2? I know now why you oh. cried. This is something I can never do. Boom, 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 boom. You know how I feel about Edward. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> you thought Barry, you thought Barry too was uh, was irritating. Let me give you a Edward Furlong. All right. Anyway, Brandon, does the box office improve if Christian Bale was the Batman instead of Keaton, and or has Gordon Joseph Gordon Levitt and had Gordon Joseph Levitt? I think it's Joseph Gordon Levitt along with Bale as Robin. Bale's Batman does somehow survive the bomb and freezing Pittsburgh winter waters. Uh, I, I mean, it's an interesting it. question. I don't know. You know, to Shannon's point. For the three of us, I yeah. think seeing Keaton as Batman again is just like, oh, that's amazing, and hearing the Tim Burton music. But there is a generation of comic book fans, or comic book movie fans, who right. Bale is more their Batman than Keaton ever was. And going all of a sudden having Barry jump into a Christopher Nolan kind of Batman universe, yeah. like... Would that have made a difference? Would have, would seeing Joseph Gordon Levitt kind of stepping into the Robin role have made a difference? It's an interesting. I don't. I don't know that it would have made that much of a difference, but it's definitely an interesting movie. Yeah, I don't know if a Muschietti directed Christopher Nolan sequence works. So I don't know if that would Fair. have worked. And I also think Bale wouldn't have come back unless you had fleshed out the storyline and shown why he did the thing. I'm not saying Keaton didn't also have those questions, but like you said, Keaton's at this point was like, fuck it, you want to throw me money to do this? I'll do it. I'll have fun doing it. But Bale, I think, is still more about what would be the <laughs> Keaton's literally at the me to come back. Hey, I need I need five million to buy a house. What you got? You got five million? <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. All right. Yeah, I'm good. Right. I mean, Dope Sick is a fucking phenomenal performance. So, like, he's yeah. like, I've done my thing. Just pay me for other stuff. I'm happy. 
Shannon, your thoughts? Do you think Bale would have maybe gotten more butts and seats? Maybe. I mean, I, there, there's certainly there's certainly an argument that can be made there, but I mean, th- it's a totally different movie because looking yeah. back at the Burton Batman movies compared to where we went with Christian Bale, like there is a levity that Michael Keaton has in the role that matches what they were doing in The Flash. Um, you put Christian Bale, what Ezra did and what Christian Bale has done in the past, those two do not mix. So it's gotcha. sort of like which one is going to come out on top in that situation. Okay. Man, like, you know, it's, it's so funny. The writer in me is mm-hmm. literally like, yeah, but that's really interesting. Like putting a, like, like, sure. like, I, I actually agree with John. So I think John is right. Like, I think Muschietti directing a Nolan film, like it just doesn't, like my brain starts to fry a little bit, mm-hmm. but seeing a Christian Bale Batman out of a Nolan movie dealing with neurodivergent Barry Allen from the Muschietti film and trying to see those two like like that that there's sparks that could either be a oh, yeah. disaster or be super interesting. It's a darker movie for sure because he's calling for sure Barry it's darker. Out this bullshit. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. You can't have Goofy Barry too around that Christian Bale. That no. would never work. That would just he's gonna work. rattle his cage. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the speed flame? Anyway, all right. Um, <laughs> Jim Fan says I think the Flash works best when it focuses on the berries. Uh, I want to make sure I take down the, yeah, sorry, let me take that one down. So we're hitting that. I want to hit some of these stream labs as well. Uh, I think the flash works best when it focuses on the berries. It was an origin story told through the younger Barry, but once they find Supergirl, the film becomes choppy and goes downhill for me. Also the VFX throughout were just horrible. I mean, like the mummy returns bad. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's throwing in Scorpion King. The original Scorpion King Ooh. in that movie, which is terrible CG. <laughs> um, AZ Badfish says, Evening buddies. To keep it short, I thought a lot of the CGI was bad, but I was able to look past it, and I really enjoyed this movie a lot. I had a big smile the whole time and said, that's so effing cool a bunch of times. Much love to you all. Have a great week. Oh, thank you, AZ. Um, yeah, as we said, as Shannon said earlier, we're, never, we're not going to regard you love in the movie for sure. I certainly enjoyed it both times I went. Uh, so I'm not going to, uh, I don't think any of us would begrudge you uh, enjoying it, AZ. Um, Jim Fan says, overall, I mixed on it, though, and I felt it was a bit overhyped. Maybe it was too ambitious or the trouble production affected it. Also, unless it's Elseworlds, like Joker, the Batman, or James G., James Gordon, DCU specific, I'm not interested. These past regime films just feel like lame ducks and uh, how they were used. It's weird because, I mean, look, we all talk about this and all of you listening are nerds like us. So we all follow all this and whatever. But I do wonder, like, multiverses are weird. And we've never really dealt with multiverses until Mm. recently. Yeah. And we've all – comic book movies are already – confusing for the average moviegoer and i think marvel does marvel has done a pretty decent job not lately per se but overall marvel has done a pretty decent job of like you kind of know know what to follow or you can kind of follow the bigger story but like once you get into all these different multiverses and stuff i do wonder if this is like a step too far for the average moviegoer and dc even more so than marvel is just a little bit too confusing Okay, fair. Shannon, anything more? Anything to add on that? Um, you know, you you talk about the uh, f- the endings that they originally had. Yes, and yes. is is Michael Keaton showing up at the end? Does that provide us any sort of? Does that does does that give the audience anything? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
when we when we saw Clooney come out, it was sort of like, oh, huh, funny. Um, you know, is there any sort of emotional satisfaction from seeing that Barry Barry is back with this Bruce who 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 helped him out, or a version of this Bruce who helped him out? I don't know. It, it's 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 really tough to say, but I I do understand Vogel's point also. When you get into the whole multiverse angle, it's like nothing ever really has any consequences. Like there's always but, another version out there. But Shannon, you bring up a really good point, and I would be interested to see what the I, I would be interested to see what the script was when the end. Because in case nobody knows, like the ending originally, yeah, was Barry gets called by Bruce Wayne after his dad is uh let is is freed from like you, okay you're good to go you didn't kill your you didn't kill your wife Exonerated. and Bruce. Thank you. I was like, what the fuck is that word? <laughs> Barry's dad is exonerated. I was like, Thank God somebody knew it because I sure didn't. You um, literally have X on your shirt. <laughs> X. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the original ending was the car pulls up. And apparently, from what I've heard from people, Michael Keaton gets out and Sasha Kaye gets out. Or she shows up as yeah. Supergirl. But, yeah. but the, the idea is that they are both existing in the new DC universe. And I do wonder, to my earlier point about what is the arc for Batman, if Bruce Wayne kind of has this, I've done it. I've cleaned up Gotham. I've done everything I can do. I wish that there was more for me, but there's nothing left. And then he gets this new lease on life where he gets to sort of solve crime in a new universe. I wonder if that might have been the more satisfying thing. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. And the other ending was supposedly Henry Cavill and Wonder Woman showing back up at the end with um, either Ben Affleck's or Michael Keaton's Batman. So because, I mean, uh, Momoa shot a, a cameo beyond the one that you saw at the end end of the movie. I'm Two Fly Cam says, hello, Geek Buddies. I saw this movie with a group of friends, and we all thought it was the worst comic book movie since Fantastic Four. Wow. The CGI was laughably bad, and Ezra was never anyone but Ezra for me. Sasha was great as Supergirl. The movie is a bomb. R.I.P. DCEU. Yeah, a lot of people been... Uh, I mean, I will say, we were just talking about this before we hopped on the live chat. Shannon yeah. and I saw it. So Shannon, Shannon and I both saw it once separately, but we saw it together on Friday night. Saw it Friday night in Los Angeles at the Grove. Packed yeah. theater. Sold out. Totally packed. You could have heard a pin drop when that movie ended. Wow. And not that in a good not, way. <laughs> that is really? not great. That is not great. That is surprising, man. Wow. Yeah. I've it was, been through- it was it was the audience version of a shrug and a ho hum. Wow. Okay. All right. Interesting. Gentleman Science says for me, the Flash was a better Flash story than No Way Home was a Spider Man story. I thought Barry went on more of an emotional journey than Peter. These three Barrys were more interesting than the three Peters. Wow. I cannot in I... any way <laughs> condone that opinion, but I respect your opinion, Gentleman Scientist. Uh, guys, uh, any thoughts on that, real quick? Here's my thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> real quick, I said. Yes, I like that Vogel held up an empty glass. Like, get ready, the gun's loaded. I, I'm <laughs> gonna have to. I'm gonna have to make another drink <laughs> to deal with that comment. You oh. know, listen. Let's just okay. I can't even oh, get into this without like we got a long chat. We got a lot more to talk do. about the Flash, so I'm we not do. gonna dive into No Way Home. But I will just say mm-hmm. that. The way that all of the Peters showing up helps Tom Holland's Peter 
deal with the death of Aunt May and figure out how he is going to move forward yeah. is a more straightforward story than what is happening in The Flash. And if you would like to see my TED Talk on the subject, I will do it on a Patreon for Geek Buddies because oh! we do not have the time right now to deal with it. But if you want to go on the No Way Home versus Flash discussion, I am more than happy to wow. pour all of the whiskey and dive in. I like that idea. Uh, Shana, Shay Luna Midnight says, hey, Geek Buddies fam, happy for the Flash review. Thank you, Shay. Thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you, Shay. JC Mighty says, uh, Roke Island, where the dress code is tinfoil. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> By the way, I want to make, I, I like that we have evolved as a fandom from Hayward Island to just straight up Roka Island. <laughs> and I am 1,000% going to design a Roka Island t-shirt oh, and put no. it up somewhere for everybody to order. Well, you know, you take what you can get, anyway, <laughs> I guess. Um, all right, let's see. Hill Nellums. Oh, great to see you, Hill. He says, I enjoyed the movie, but definitely not up there to me as great. I think 18-year-old 18 Barry character works because in this world where he's had both his parents and hadn't had to grow up with his dad in jail and his mom gone, he didn't need to be serious. Well, I, I, there are plenty of 18-year-olds who have parents who get serious and focus on school. So I don't know. It was well, odd I, to see that. Yeah, I do just want to say really quick, because this is kind of the, the Lord and Miller point that I was making. Like, I agree with that. Like, mm -hmm. I think that the distinction of here is a Barry that grew up, loved by both of his parents, yeah. no worries in the world, not, not tortured, not driven by anything, just going along with life is a great choice. I think that him being sort of a stoner, giggly doofus, yeah. Yeah. which is gives you comedy i do think undercuts it a little bit i think yeah. had he been a little bit more maybe like just like a privileged barry there's still comedy to be pulled out of that but yeah. it's a little bit more of an there's there's a i was talking to a friend today about the difference between broad comedy and honest comedy mm. so broad comedy is where you go for like the really funny like oh you're a doofus <laughs> like that kind of joke and then there's honest comedy where you kind of find like well what's the joke what's the joke in the honest moment and i feel mm -hmm. like this i think i feel like across the spider-verse finds a lot of comedy in honest moments and i feel like the flash finds a lot of comedy in broad moments and that's a subjective mm -hmm. thing like you might be a broad comedy person and you're like right right i thought this was hilarious and this is super my jam I tend to be more of an honest comedy moment, and that's my jam. So, like, I think that's that's where I felt about Young Barry. Not a Sandler fan, uh, and I get that, of course. Um, uh, Travis Wars is Rokanopolis. I, I don't know. If that's... Oh my God, into it, Roka Island. <laughs> no, Roka Island to Rokanopolis uh, in Otisburg. All right. Anyway, um, where we got to hit some more of these because we've got so many of these. Derek Johnson says no excuse for CGI. It's been in production since CW Flash season one. The movie was mediocre at best, which is not what it needed to be. Supergirl 100% is going the way of Batgirl. Notice they've not talked about her future. Well, they did. Sasha Kaye did come out and say that she had a meeting with people at Warner Brothers and that it seems like they might be really considering bringing her back. So we'll see. Um, he, Jarek's got a few of these, so I'm going to run through all of them. All that smoke coming from Gunn. 100% agree with John on this. Gunn needed to get his butt off Twitter and focus. Don't see Feige out here with that nonsense. Cocaine nostalgia isn't going to work for normal audiences. Woo, Derek, bring the hammer. I want, I'm going to make a cocaine nostalgia t-shirt. 
<laughs> boy, more drinking, Mikey. Uh, Derek Johnson, the story of Barry's mother is a huge point in the comics, one he has to live with. Even the TV show had him living with it. The movie literally has him make some same mistake at the end by changing the past and learning nothing. Yes, by putting the, the I agree with tomatoes that. up on the I top. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to? Well, let's let's circle back. Guys, Derek's got yep. two more, and then we'll circle back to it. Um, you're really you're telling me he's so fast he can go in the past and can't find his mother's killer. Why leave out Eobard Thawne, a more recognizable character who can traverse the multiverse like Barry? Sorry, I got smoked for this movie. Last thing, can we dispel the comic book movie fatigue theory? Spider Verse is proof of that. We have had we have bad storytelling fatigue, and DCEU and Sony have flooded the market with bad stories. Marvel has had a few. But damn, not this many. Really, last thing, has everyone forgotten that Aquaman is coming out soon? And if they put this same effort into Blue Beetle, then tear the studio down if they ruin the first Hispanic comic book movie hero. I agree with Derek, you. By the way, Derek is hot tonight. I know. And I like when Derek's hot. I mean, not just because he sends a lot of things, but also I like Derek's points. So what do you guys think about anything Derek had to say in these uh, six uh, Super Chats here, gentlemen? So a couple things. One... Um, I agree wholeheartedly that an issue with the movie is you can't have a movie where Barry's entire arc is don't fuck with the past and then he fucks with the past. Okay, like, at the end. It's at like, the end. oh, I shouldn't have stopped mom's killer, but I guess a can of tomatoes is cool. No, no. The butterfly effect is the butterfly effect. It doesn't matter how small it is. Don't fuck with the past. Yeah, it's yeah. spaghetti. Like you, so like that is a huge issue to me. Secondly, yeah, at some point you might be like, I can go anywhere in time. Maybe who killed my mom? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the number that's one. A, that's a gimme. Like, hey, my mom died. That is a seminal event in my life. Yeah. I can travel back in time. Let's see who killed her. And the fact that they sort of clearly avoided it for the purposes of, as has been evidenced in the past 48 hours, where Muschietti has come out and said, it is Eobard Thawne, Thrawn, Thrawn. Right. And Thawne. that would be, thank you, fuck. Exonerated. <laughs> um, and that is who, and that is who would be in the sequel. That is a that is a big thing. So, yeah, I just feel like again, there's just a lot of things with this movie that have just been poorly thought through. Let me throw one in. Oh, Shannon, get your response as well. But Fred Tastic goes, uh, "I want to see a universe where Barry is responsible for his dad's death because he changed the past, so his dad didn't have to leave the market." That would have been interesting. So, Shannon, uh, thoughts on your any uh, any thoughts on uh, Derek Johnson's uh, six uh, uh, super chats? There? I mean, to the Thon argument, like I get it in that they did this, they did literally did the story on yeah, yeah. Flash season one. That's and true. That's true. You, maybe you maybe you don't want to rehash something that soon because it literally is it's it's the exact same story. Um, to the Aquaman point, I am afraid that Derek probably right in that this movie comes out in uh, about six months i i guess you could say they're like well we don't want to overshadow the marketing for blue beetle by throwing out another one yet um but the fact that we haven't really seen like anything traditionally is yeah. not is not a uh, a great sign and knowing that it is the the last movie before the 
previous uh, regime is completely kind of wiped off the board. It, it, it doesn't spell it doesn't spell hope for Aquaman. And again, being a huge Aquaman fan who didn't really love the first movie, I would have loved to have gotten a second one that uh, fixed all the issues that I had. But it doesn't seem like that's going to happen in December. Yeah, I've already seen a couple of people tweet about the fact they've seen some early screenings of it and that it is uh, terrible. And so that scares me as well. And we'll get into that uh, when we swing back around. Let's take a quick break because we're well past the, the half an hour mark. And we'll get into some more of these Streamlabs and Super Chats. And we'll talk Zod. We'll talk those cameos. Uh, and we'll talk what's next for the DC Universe uh, right after this. Do, 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 do. it's elfman it's elfman john that's right that's what it was uh paul says also premiering the movie on juneteenth father's day weekend is a poor decision most people are out at family gatherings and community events i i've seen this on twitter i've seen this on twitter like guys a holiday weekend is actually the right weekend to release a movie like do you think you're like hanging out with your family 24 hours a day you want to go to a movie theater we don't have to talk to them for two or three hours thanksgiving thanksgiving weekend fourth of july weekend like all the big holiday weekends like those are big movie releases like part of what you do on the weekend is go to the movie so i don't think that it's the weekend that hurt the movie i think it's the movie that hurt the movie (laughs) ladies and gentlemen the weekend jc mighty uh, right here uh saying thanks to jc we appreciate it badly uh major laser said even though i saw supergirl do the laser eyes a thousand times in the trailer in the context of the film it hit me hard her anger at zod was believable oh yeah her what did you do yeah holy fuck that was great yeah 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 i mean that again you know you talk about being able to do a lot with a little that is what sasha kaye did yeah 100 percent um, uh, let's see. Mez says, I think Keaton's Batman is in a state of disarray precisely because he did it. He spent his life trying to fill that hole in his heart by fighting criminals. Now there's nothing left, but I agree. It could have been made more obvious. Yeah. Fair point. Mez. Um, Jake, the nerd says, I really enjoyed the movie. It's got flaws, but I think they did an amazing visualization of the multiverse. Do you all, did you all catch the jab at Endgame? You might've seen a movie where they tell you that it makes a branch, a new universe. It's wrong, LOL. Yeah, that's true. That was... I did I did see it. And, and look, I think the spaghetti analogy is a great analogy to justify why you have old Batman because Michael Keaton is older than Ben Affleck. True. But I, I gotta go with Marvel being a little bit cleaner. Well, Endgame's a better movie, so take your jabs if you want. But like... You look like a lightweight trying to hit a, a heavyweight. It doesn't. It doesn't carry the weight, the same power that it would if you had nailed the movie as well. Uh, Carol has got four of these, so I'm gonna read them back to back. Hello, gents. It's been a long time since I've been able to watch live, so buckle up because I got some thoughts slash questions. Like Shannon, I have never cared for Ezra Miller as Barry. It's probably Grant Gustin bias. I don't like the Snyder movies and hated how he portrayed the Flash. I will give Mushetti credit because he directed him better in this movie, and I enjoyed it enough to see it twice. I give the Speed Force CGI a pass, but the babies in the beginning, oof. Highlights for me were Michael Keaton and seeing Kevin Smith's Superman Lives anecdote come to life. Questions for the panel. Was that supposed to be Savitar? If it was, the CW show did a much better job with that storyline. I think you guys have already said that. Did anyone else think that was Teddy Sears as Jay Garrick? There was an article that said it wasn't a cameo or CW footage, which I find odd. Missed opportunity to use John Wesley ships Jay Garrick instead. Overall, the movie's enjoyable, but I wish Keaton's Batman and Supergirl storylines were more developed. Carol, I think we're all on the same page with you with a lot of your points here. 
Teddy Sears, as Jay get Teddy says in, on Twitter that it wasn't him. Mm-hmm. Said, I, yeah. I don't know if he's playing around about that, but he said it wasn't him. So, <clears throat> gentlemen, no, I think he, no, I think, I think Teddy Sears would have fully, fully come out and said if it was yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Considering like this is like, I mean, I guess he did show up in the last season as Hunter Zolomon again, but, yeah. uh, but also if, you know, if it was him, it would have been, it would have been Hunter Zolomon. It, you know, it, right. you're going to use someone from the, from the series, it would have been, it would have been better to have used John Wesley shit. But in this case, I think they just, they threw a guy in a, in a helmet and said, you know, run in place for a little bit. That was for the nerds. That was for us. Hardcore comic book nerds to see Jake Eric there. Yeah. Michael, yeah, any, any, any thoughts on that? That sort of just brings up the bigger issues with that whole sequence, which we'll get to in them. Well, yes. which I'm sure we'll get to we in a little bit, but, uh, yeah, look, I was that Savitar. I don't know. I think it was sort of maybe roughly inspired, but I think if they're doing their own thing, the Jay Garrick thing sort of answered. I, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, Viola J says, hey, buddies, how would you rate the VFX as a whole? I think we answered that. Uh, should It should have been a perfect- Low. It should have been a perfect 10 since the movie cost $250 million. Also, will Blue Beetle and Aquaman 2 box office suffer the same fate? I, I think Blue Beetle is actually an anomaly here. I think yes, I agree. Fine, right? But yeah, I think no, Aquaman I agree. 2 is sunk. I think Aquaman I, 2 is at the bottom of the ocean with a hole in the boat. I think Aqu- I think 100%. I think to, to your average audience, Aquaman yeah. 2 is just like, I don't know what this is. I don't care. Yeah. I'm out. Screw this. Blue Beetle has a chance to just be its own thing. And if it's good, if people go see Blue Beetle on opening weekend and are like, holy shit, that was super fun, people yeah. are going to go. Yeah. Like, I think Blue right. Beetle has a shot. Yeah, I agree. Is yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I think uh, you could even remove uh, uh, the references to Batman and, and most moviegoers wouldn't necessarily know that this is a DC hero because this, this is someone absolutely new to, to folks who are not familiar with the comics um, or or the injustice or the injustice video game. Um, yeah, I think Blue Beetle has the opportunity to come in and kind of be like a sleeper hit, um, because I think you can lean into you can lean into that diversity angle, and that you haven't had a a Latino or Hispanic uh, superhero leading their own movie before. So I think that is certainly possible. As to your Aquaman uh, analogy, Johnny, if yeah. the if the ship is on the bottom and it's sunk, they're Atlantean. They can breathe under there. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, sure. but I but I do agree. I imagine Aquaman is uh is not going to uh, you know be breaking the bank at the box office. Yeah I saw people raging on Twitter. Who who is why wouldn't you want Aquaman 2 to come out? It's like fuck you man. The studio looks at this thing, sees that Flash did work Worse than Black Adam. Worse than Black Adam. Why in the fuck would they release Aquaman 2, which has just as much baggage in a different way because of the whole Amber Heard situation and the Johnny Depp trial? Like, it doesn't make sense. And the Momoa cameo sank like a stone at the end of The Flash. So I think you that- got Zaslav. You got Zaslav out on the streets in Toluca Lake being like, y'all going to give me $20? Give me $20. <laughs> just kidding. Like, hey. That's a nice. That's a nice studio. Be shame if something happened to it. Um, they're, they're, they're not letting him into Luca Lake. They're like, no, no, no. You go. You walk down Olive into downtown Burbank. <laughs> uh, all right, two more regional we'll get, humor. <laughs> two more. We'll get back to our uh, conversation and uh, please keep sending minutes. We will answer them as we swing back around. Wayne Edwards says, besides a few hiccups in the story, a bit too many silly moments, and being a bit too long. I really like this film. When the humor hit, it hit. 
The action scenes and the explanation of the Flash's powers were great, and the mom stuff got me at the end. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think the mom yeah. stuff worked. Yeah, gentlemen. Mom stuff. Like, and I, and I will say, look, for a Flashpoint movie, which is what this is based on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the mom stuff is one of the things that ha- you have to get 100% right. And for all of the issues that we're talking about and all the CG and multiverse and Keaton and Sasha Kaya and everything, I actually think they got the mom stuff really, really right. Like that that affected me emotionally. I, I actually felt that. Uh, Maribel Verdu is the actress who played yeah. uh, the mom here. So uh, Shannon, your thoughts? Did the mom stuff work for you and the way they swung back to it at the end? Absolutely. Th- yeah. those, those were some of those more emotional moments, um, as you know, Vogel was talking about earlier. Um, when, when Ezra was playing the emotion, um, it actually worked. And yeah. when Ezra was playing the comedy, not so much. Um, I really wish, not that it would have changed the, you know, the fate of the movie, but I really yeah. wish we would have gotten Billy Crudup back. Um, Ron yeah, Livingston, yeah. to me, is a, is a little bit of a lump. Um, yeah. And Crudup is just you know, their their interactions in Justice League, even though it was like two scenes, I really liked the yeah. chemistry that Ezra Miller had with Billy Crudup. There's more angst there. Uh, there was more feeling there, I think, between them mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. yeah, I agree 100%. Ron's great. Don't get me wrong. For certain movies, Ron's great. But yeah. for this, it doesn't... Oh, I like him in Office Space. Listen, I, I, love, I love cream cheese on a bagel. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, Arisha, Aisha Kenya good to see Aisha she said uh, I felt it was odd that young Barry kept wanting to go back to save Kara but didn't seem to care as much about his mom dying it felt like we were missing scenes to support the attachment he had for her yeah I agree 100% Aisha because you see him taking that, that video of her and they had, they share a little smile when he says it's for my kids you see Sasha give a little bit of a smile so you're like yeah was there a scene between them where young Barry was kind of awkward and maybe flirting with her a little bit and she kind of liked it and so maybe there's a glimpse of a future with them together so her death is what maybe sparks him as a young kid who's finally found someone he has some feeling for uh, her death over and over again is the thing that spins him into madness that could have made a lot of sense guys but i mean even without that i i will say that that didn't that didn't bother me that much because Mm -hmm. that young barry has never lived in a world where his mom died so until right. Right, until right, right, Olderberry right. says, "Hey, I have to go back and change history," so Mom dies. That's not even an idea in Barry's head. And as yeah. soon as he hears that, he's like, "Fuck no, we can save everybody." So that part didn't bother me as much, but I do hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shannon, any thoughts on that? Sorry, I got distracted with the Oracle in the chat who said Mr. Manhattan is not a funny actor. And it took me a second that he was referring to Billy Crudup as Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> I just got a visual of Crudup in a, in a top hat and a, in a monocle. <laughs> I'm Mr. Manhattan. Welcome to Manhattan. Oh, old timey humor. All right, Fantastic says, hey, Geek Buddies, I'm loving the show. All your breakdowns are gold. This movie was fun, but the nostalgia wasn't enough to carry the story. I'm a little worried for Blue Beetle. And Aquaman too. I think we addressed that, but thank you, Fred. Thank you so much for sending that in for us. Um, all right, gentlemen, let's swing back. And please keep sending your Streamlabs Super Jets. We'll swing back again to answer them in a little bit. Let's keep going with this. The next thing I have on my list is Zod. Uh, did you think this worked? Did not work? Was Michael Shannon cashing a paycheck here? Gentlemen, your thoughts on this cool. big bad baddie and then this final battle. Uh, Michael, you seem- go ahead, man. You- take it away. Michael Shannon has basically straight up said he was cashing a paycheck. So he was abs- like, Michael <laughs> Shannon has come out in every interview and been like, yeah, I didn't love this. 
Like he's been straight up about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, here's the here's the tragedy of it all is that the idea of using Zod for Man of Steel as this big thing that they all have to deal with in the absence of a Kal El. Yeah. Is I like even when we saw the trailers, like when we did our trailer reviews, if you go back and watch You're them, right. I think that's absolutely brilliant. I think it is the smartest idea. In Flashpoint, the impossible issue is that uh, Aquaman and Atlantis are at war with Diana and Themyscira. Right. And it is equally as impossible. It is an epic battle that nobody can figure out. So using Zod in the, in the world of the DCEU is great. The issue that I had was for a third act battle to be compelling, you have to believe that your heroes have a shot. Right. And as soon as the four of them show up, they're outgunned. Like the Kryptonians, yeah. you can't you can't kill Kryptonians. So the entire battle sort of loses a lot of steam because you're watching them run around, but they don't really have a plan and there's nothing that they can do. And whether you had decided that the Siberians had kryptonite or Barry explained to them and Bruce Wayne synthesized something like, I don't care. Like there's a thousand different ways you can figure it out. But if the four of them had had a plan and that plan had come this close to succeeding yeah, yeah, and then they failed, it would have made Barry two's frustration even greater. Yeah. Like, we sort of watch this and we've seen Kryptonians and we're like, yeah, what do you, like, like it's it, like what it really all, it, I really felt it when Keaton's Batman jumped on the back of that giant Kryptonian and just oh, yeah. put it, put all those bombs and put all those bombs and put, and I'm watching this and I'm like, this is cool. But like, I know that none of that does anything. Yeah. So why do I care? But if, if they had had a plan and it had been compelling and they had really gone toe to toe with Zod. I think this third act could have been really, really interesting. And we would have been even more frustrated and we would have been more on Barry two's side. Yeah. Like this whole, like if we, okay, we were so close, we almost did it, but because they were so far away from doing it, it just kind of felt like, all right, I get it. You're going to lose. You're going to keep dying, whatever. Let's move on. That's kind of how I felt yeah. about it. It's a great point to make it feel you had to be invested in how close he was so you could yourself imagine that you would do the same thing so it makes it even more tragic that he's constantly trying to do it so that when barry one says to him, bro we gotta stop you gotta stop yeah. you gotta let it go it would have had more weight to it agreed michael you i mean uh, shannon your thoughts on michael shannon uh and uh him coming back as odd and how that final battle sequence worked did they build up to it effectively enough or was it kind of uh not 100 percent great um, you know, I, I saw a brief interview with Michael Shannon where he was just like, you know, wait, he's, he's got that, you know, super low key. Yeah. Delivery. He's like, wait, I died. <laughs> Didn't you see Man of Steel? And they're like, well, no, it's a multiverse. Like, yeah, you're gonna have to explain what does that mean? <laughs> I mean, he's just so he's just so earnest in his like in his confusion. Um, in terms of his performance, I mean, he, you know, he. He he didn't really talk a whole lot. I mean, yeah, he was true. just there for that third act battle sequence. I mean, I think if if Barry one had uh, the opportunity to, to kind of say this is what almost happened on my planet, this is why this is a big deal and we have to stop it. And the introduction of kryptonite is not something that I had thought about, but like, wow, that would have been that would have been a really really uh, uh, smart decision. But at the same time, you have a movie that's 
two and a half hours, um, that stuff starts to add up. Maybe in uh, Muschietti's four-hour cut, maybe it's there. I don't know. I mean, if only only there was a bunch of people keeping a Kryptonian somewhere and the only way that they could keep them there was Kryptonite, it might have been pretty easy. But, I mean, that's probably some other movie. <laughs> yeah, and Muschietti did say he has a four-hour cut, which I thought was like, why would you say that? Why are we going to start this again? <laughs> Fuck, man! I just was as soon as he said, I'm like, oh no, we're going to get that release the Muschietti cut nonsense. Um, even though I agree with the Snyderverse, uh, so to me, this is an interesting situation because I love Man of Steel. I think of the three of us, I'm the one who loves it the most. Although I know Shannon likes it a lot, mm-hmm. but I'm the one that loves it. And like, I have, I, I really am fond of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. So like I'm fond of Goonies. But so this whole situation <laughs> here with Zod, they should have done, and I've texted you guys this, there should have been more time building this up. Get us to understand why he's the big bad, why Keaton would come out of retirement, or Batman would come out of retirement for this, why this is so dangerous, why this is such a threat, beyond Kara doing the back and forth, beyond Barry saying, in my world, this happened, blah, blah, blah. I just would have liked a little bit more of it, more with Shannon seeing what's going on, seeing the brutality, even the baby stuff. If we had known that before Sasha Kaye, I'm sorry, before Kara did, that could have been really interesting as well. But it did give us a chance to see Sasha Kaye kicking ass as Supergirl, which I thought was awesome. Her trying to turn off the terraforming thing, which I thought was great in the back and forth. And the surprise of her actually dying. That was a huge surprise. And then seeing the berries work together, which I thought was cool. But in the end, you guys are right. I mean, Barry says to Bruce in the kitchen, in my world, we need you because in my world, Batman is the strategist. Batman is the one who understands he makes the plan, but we never see the plan. And it's kind of intimated that it's Barry who's coming up with the plan when really it should be Bruce coming up with the plan and we all go along with it. So there's no no plan, plan, I think, is an excellent point to bring up. There's no plan. But I do agree with you because, I mean, even again, looking back at the source material, like they spend a good deal of time in Flashpoint, both yeah, the yeah, comic yeah. and the and the animated movie, dealing with look this, uh, like Atlantis versus Themyscira war yeah, across yeah, yeah. Europe is devastating the entire world. Like right. this is like World War Three on a metahuman level, and like they kind of never let Zod really get past the second act of Man of Steel. Yeah, and what would have yeah, been yeah, interesting yeah. is if it and to your point, John, about more, more, Michael, more, um, more Bruce Wayne, more Michael Keaton. Like, had you sort of had Zod blow past where he was in Man of Steel and start to devastate the world, like yeah. really, like elevate Zod of like you know, like there, there's a kind of level of like raising the stakes and raising the stakes, and because they sort of just end up in the same desert battle that we saw halfway through Man of Steel, you're like, yeah, okay, yeah. But had you really sort of let that naturally progress, yeah. there could have been a lot more there. There, you could have even handled as I mentioned earlier with the Sasha Kaye Michael Keaton scene where she explains, yeah, to him who what the real power of Zod is. And it maybe isn't a hundred percent. He's not a hundred percent convinced. And then he sees the first destruction of a city by Zod. And it's like, okay, I have that. Could yeah. have got them. Now I have to dial in kind of like a, right. We didn't want to get into world war two until they attacked Pearl Harbor. Right. And that's the thing. You could have seen that with a mini miniature version of that with Michael Keaton. Uh, Shannon, your thoughts, anything more on this that we should hit on or do, are we good to move on? No, I mean, you know, as you said already, they had they had the plan. Uh, Ezra talked about it, saying, "Hey, we're going to take out the Kryptonians yeah. on the ground. She's going to take out." Zod. 
I mean, that was the extent of it. As you already pointed out, John, having Michael Keaton be the one to say, like, all right, this is what we're going to do. That would have that would have worked better. I mean, if he can I mean, there the multiverse, been... he can come up with a plan to try to be well, so go, and, yeah. and to your point, John, there's a great <laughs> there's a great funny bit there where like if Barry's like, all right, so she's going to take out Zod and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And Keaton's like, wait, 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 you said uh, Batman was a strategist in your universe. <laughs> And he's yeah, like, yeah. Right. and he's like, all right, so uh, maybe let's take a step back there, buddy. Let's talk about this for a minute. And then ba- and then Bruce Wayne comes in and is like, here's what we're going to do. You right. know what I mean? Like, there yeah. there could have been – and, like, every nerd in the audience would be like, fuck yeah, because all, all we love is when Batman steps in and says, here's what we're going to do. Right, exactly. We're gonna run and if he had head. used uh, Penne in this analogy oh, versus Jesus. spaghetti. <laughs> maybe a little – maybe a little risotto. <laughs> What's the strongest of the pastas? Anyway, all right, Jason says, uh, thoughts on Nick Cage's cameo. While I love the film, I still would have sat through a crap film to see the nod to Tim Burton's unreleased Superman Lives. Also eager to see Fat Man Beyond discuss it. Yeah, that's the show with um, uh, with Kevin Smith and um, Mark Barnardin. So yeah, definitely. But gentlemen, let's use this as a springboard to talk about all the cameos here at the end of the movie. We get all these worlds crashing together. We do get the Nicolas Cage Superman Lives which uh, our dearly departed John Schnepp did a phenomenal documentary about that. You guys, if you haven't seen it, please find that documentary where he goes into and has footage never seen before of Nicolas Cage test screening as Superman, the, uh, the outfit that he wore. It's an incredible doc. You guys got to see it. But yes, that was a great nod there. But we also got Christopher Reeve coming back and Helen Slater coming back. And we got to see um, George Reeves and we got to see Adam West in a real quick cameo. And the rumors were that Cesar Romero was supposed to come back as well to be a part of this. And we saw them all crashing together. And as we mentioned, uh, Jay Garrick there as well. And then eventually they pull apart and we got that cameo at the end with uh, with Aquaman. So. What are your thoughts overall with cameos and the Clooney stuff as well as part of that cameo thing? Uh, Shannon, your thoughts, please. I mean, ultimately, it was it was fun, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I mean, uh, with with the folks in the theater who who understood, like a lot of folks in my theater didn't know who Helen Slater was. I was like, sure. who's that? Yeah, 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 who's that? Who's that blonde woman wearing the Supergirl outfit? <laughs> um, you know, it was fine. I, at that point in the movie, I was just sort of. Um, uh, uh, emotionally checked out. <laughs> so it was sort of like, okay, great. Um, yeah. I, I mean, again, if that was the justification for them using the weird CGI people the whole time, I think it was a bad, it was a bad mm. justification. Um, it was fine. I mean, you know, you can picture a world where this worked brilliantly. Um, but I think when you look at, I, I guess the comparison to no way home isn't great when you use, Toby and, and and Andrew Garfield because they were so integral yeah. to the plot. But yeah, it was fine. The, the Nick Cage thing was fun. And a lot of people did not know. As soon as I saw the big mechanical spider, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> it's Nick Cage and his hair. <laughs> Emo Superman, as they're calling him. Uh, and of course, that's based on Kevin Smith's script. So uh, 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 Michael, what did you think of the cameos overall, these final cameos and the Aquaman stuff and Clooney coming in as well? Well, I, I think the comparison to No Way Home is a good comparison. Okay. Uh, for exactly the reason that Shannon said. <laughs> Everyone showed up and they were integral to the plot. I mean, this is yeah. like, yeah. this whole moment happens. And unless you're a super geek, what does this moment mean? Mm. 
Like, I get it. Like, I'm with Shannon. As soon as I saw that spider, I was like, oh, they are fucking Nick Caging me. <laughs> okay. Like, I get it. And and I love Christopher Reeve. And oh. I loved the Helen Slater Superman. So I'm watching all these characters show up. And I get what they're doing. I'm like, okay, so Barry unraveling his universe is unraveling all the universes. And these are all of the universes in the DC universe. Like I, as a geek, intellectually understand what's happening. And like, it's kind of cool. But there was another part of me that was like, what does this mean to your average moviegoer? What does this mean to someone who has no idea that Tim Burton was going to direct a Superman movie written by Kevin Smith by Nick Cage? Like what, what, how does this matter? And also because Barry at that moment was dealing with such a personal Mm. Barry moment, like, like we're in the middle of Barry and Barry two and older Barry too, having a very intense emotional moment. And we sort of take a break to be like, it's George Reeves, it's Christopher Reeves, it's Nicolas Cage, it's Adam West. And it it just came across to me feeling, uh, this is gonna, uh, for everyone who loved it, y'all are gonna hate me, but it felt very cynical. Mm, okay. It felt very, hey, let's give this to the nerds because they're going to love it. But it didn't have anything to do with the main story. So I kind of came out of it being like, why? Honestly, as cheesy as fuck as it was, (laughs) I thought the CW's Crisis on Infinite Earths did it better. Oh, yeah. 100% better than what you see here. That's for sure. That's uh... Was it John Peters? Who was the? Yeah, it was John Peters who the spider thing. Yes, it was. So, yeah. yeah. The, the, what you see there, for those you may not know, is Nicolas Cage was rumored to do a film called what, The Death of Superman or something like that. And it's Superman, Superman Lives. Lives. Sorry, Superman Lives. That's it, the opposite. And, and uh, Nicolas Cage was going to play Superman. He had the long hair. and This was in the 90s, I think. And they had the uh, glossy kind of outfit for him. So very interesting, different type of Superman. Kevin Smith had written the script. They had shot some test stuff. John Peters, though, who was the producer of the film, insisted because he was obsessed with these massive giant spiders that Superman would have to fight this big spider on another planet. uh, And that would be the main villain would be this massive spider that eventually did not happen in the film, but John Peters ever stubborn to use it, use the spider as the villain in wild wild west. Yes. That's what Kenneth Branagh is in, in wild wild west. So he got his wish in a shitty movie. And in the end, might have been a shitty movie. Superman lives if it had happened as well. So just giving a little background. Yeah, I, I didn't mind the cameos. For me, it was cool the first time. The second time when you're looking at story, it's like, this makes no fucking sense. It's zero, zero sense at all. It's all just to please you. So after the first time, it doesn't really work after that. But it was nice to see Christopher Reeve again. It was fun to see the Nicolas Cage thing. But I'm like, where's Christian Bale? Was that something they didn't want to show? They didn't want to do? What was the issue there? So it would have been interesting to see other Batmen as well. Hell, I mean, if we saw the Lego Spider-Man in a or Lego Spider, yeah, Spider-Man in Across the Spider-Verse. You tell me you couldn't have had Conroy show up in an animated universe going in there as well. That could have been a nice little change as well. well different, yeah. And to be clear, like there's a version of this movie. Like, look, to your point, mm. like, yeah, across the Spider-Verse, we see, like, fucking Lego Spider-Man and everybody. And yeah. I'm, like, cheering. And I'm, like, that's fucking amazing. But it, because there's context to it. Like, there's a version of this movie where as Barry is trying, like, like bad example. Because yeah. I'm, this is, I'm just, like, coming up with it, like, as we're talking about it. But as Barry, too, is going back and trying to change things. 
and fix things if every time we saw a different Superman, all of a sudden it was mm. Christopher Reeve trying to help right, them fight right, Zod, right. and then it was George Reeves, and then it was Jay Garrick, and then it was Grant Gustin, and then it was mm. the Kevin Conroy. Like, there's a version of, oh, you're fucking everything up, yeah. but it's because Barry, too, is trying to do stuff that I would be like, oh, that's super clever, but it's also tied to the emotional story. This was just a bunch of giant Epcots colliding <laughs> with each other. <laughs> And I was like, all right. I think you make an excellent point. It would have been better. And I'm not saying that I would have encouraged this in CGI, but if they were all still living, it would have been better to see them actually doing something and then seeing the multiverse crashing in. Yeah. Things. It's Nick Cage is the only one you see doing anything, actually fighting. I mean, Reeve and Helen Slater just show up and stand there. Uh, and uh, everyone else just kind of shows up and stands there. It would have been nice to see more. Uh, other than Adam West running, of course. Um, so yeah, so there you go. Um, yeah, this is a spoiler review. Uh, f- Ivan, <laughs> Ivan, thanks for that. Says it's a spoiler review, Ivan. For fuck's sake. Um, all right, let's take another quick break because we're at the thirty-minute mark again, and we'll jump into uh, the babies and uh, get Shannon's full diatribe on the babies uh, <laughs> right after this. <laughs> so I want a little be my baby, be my uh, baby, Lee. <laughs> be, be my baby. All right, be my little baby. <laughs> Mr. McClung, uh, the floor is yours. I think I'm gonna give you a solo shot on this. Please take it away. Oh goodness, what are your thoughts on the babies here, man? Well, I mean, I won't just relegate it to the babies. I'll relegate it to the. I, I want to talk about the whole opening and tonally. I just thought this was absolutely the wrong thing to do. Um, how Batman was basically kind of fighting. He said someone's son. I I, I couldn't hear the name, but Falcone. It, uh, okay, so so a gangster with a gun. Yeah. Um, you know why they didn't kind of dive into like try to find like a C list villain that you could use. It, it just seems like oh, this is a great opportunity to 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 lean into this bigger world because at the time it was going to keep going yeah. like, like why not lean into this world a little bit more and use someone, someone of note, the whole thing with Barry, like the moment that that frame stretches right before he takes off running, that was an incredible shot. I was like, Oh, this is so much, this is, that is really, really creative and just really, really uh, visually dynamic. Um, the moment where he's getting ready to run and the title starts to come up and then it fades away from that moment. I'm like, Oh no, something, something is off. Um, but as he's saving, like his whole thing is saving these babies. I'm like, you have an opportunity to make the flash integral and awesome. And you didn't do it. Like you, instead you have him saving these weird CGI babies as, as Miller is shoving food into his mouth or into their mouth. Um, I, I just was like, wow, what a, what a waste, what a waste of a sequence. One, you could have, you could have probably um, cut it down in terms of time and use some of that spare time for something a little more relevant later. Um, but I was just so like, Oh God, that's, this is so painful. And then when we do finally get, to the Batman section, which visually it, it was pretty cool. Like I like seeing, you know, on the bat cycle and everything the, the, t- to me, the Gal Gadot cameo was useless. You're literally doing a joke that they did in justice league. And you know, it was, it wasn't great in justice league and they did it even worse here. And you're kind of taking, taking the wind 
uh, out, of, out of Affleck's Batman, who we just now saw just be totally awesome. Yeah. It was just not, it was just not fun to me at all. And then it kind of bleeds into Barry getting to, getting to the station and his two coworkers again are so kind of broad and over the top. I mean, from that moment, I was like, Oh, this is not, this is not the movie that I wanted it to be. I'll, I'll, well, (laughs) (laughs) two hours to go. (laughs) Michael, your thoughts on the babies and the opening sequence uh, all the way up until uh, he, his boss tells him to go get coffee with two sugars. Yeah. If somebody in, a room pitches hey batman's gonna deal with the bad guys and barry has to deal with the hospital and we're gonna have this whole sequence where barry has to save everybody in the hospital and we're gonna have babies falling from the sky you're like all right that okay yeah sounds good that sounds like something that we could make but it's it's the it's it's like the lack of reality to the entire sequence yeah yeah, if that makes sense like um to shannon's point give Batman more cool stuff to do. Yeah. Um, I know that it was set at the morning because Barry was late for work and there's a whole thing, but Batman during the day is less cool than Batman at night. Mm-hmm. Like a guy on a motorcycle and a cape flying around on the freeway at like 9 a.m. is going to look weirder than a guy at mid- 9 p.m. Like, so like Batman looked a little bit awkward, but, and like to Shannon's point was fighting some thugs. Didn't yeah. really mean a no lot. No name thugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Barry, it's sort of like, so wait, you're telling me that like this entire hospital building falls and of every, and only six babies. That's the issue. <laughs> like aside from the weird CG of it all, it's yeah, like, yeah. I think that the idea that Barry has to save everybody, but he goes for the food first. Great idea. That's yeah. super. That's funny because it like is actually logical and makes sense. Like yes. Barry's got to save everybody. Yeah. And he goes for the burrito. You're like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. But Give me the babies, but give me more. Give me elderly people. Give me other stuff. Like, show me Barry really be amazing. The whole sequence was sort of, like, precious. Like, it was like, we're doing a fun little baby gag. So we're only going to focus on these six babies and this dog and this lady. But that almost, in a way, Mm -hmm. makes Barry feel less amazing. Because as the Flash, he should be able to do all of that and 20 times more. So show me the Barry that while Bruce is dealing and like it would, and to Shannon's point, it would have been great. Make, make it two face, make it poison Ivy, make it hard, get, get Margot Robbie in there and make it Harley Quinn and, or do whatever the fuck you want and have Bruce really dealing with something. And then Barry saves all the babies and the elderly and everybody else and does all of these things. And Bruce is like, well, I had it tough. And Barry's like, yeah, yeah, you're really great, Batman. Like there's ways that you can find the comedy in it and still keep Barry as super heroic, but really hyper-focusing on baby in microwave, baby with acid, baby with knives. You're like, this is, this is like a Roger rabbit cartoon. (laughs) Like this, this has turned into a baby Herman cartoon with the flash. So like, that was really frustrating. And I agree with Shannon, like Diana, I don't know if they just had Gal for like Gal showed up for 20 minutes and they're like, all right, throw the rope. We got it. But like, it just feels like she shows up to fish for Batman. And then she's like, all right, got to go and flies off. It's like, it didn't feel like a compelling cameo. 
it's like I get that you want to make it feel like the whole Justice League is around, but it would have been maybe better served to just be a Batman Flash adventure. Yeah, I think it would. I, I agree with you guys on that. I, I, you know, I agree with you guys on the Batman Flash adventure. I don't think we needed Wonder Woman. It's even, and it hits even worse knowing she's not. We know she's not going to come back. So it having her show up like that, it just like at the end of Shazam too. You're just like, ah, this this kind of sucks. Like you, you you get that feeling because you know that, right? And so whereas Ben, maybe there's a possibility. Who knows? But like with Gal, you know, it's pretty clear, and she even said that over the weekend that like. She is now focusing on other things and has probably come to terms with the fact that she's being empowered. She feels empowered to leave Wonder Woman. So, um, But yeah, it just, it didn't work. And the comedy there, it was very close to just Joss Whedon level with Flash on top of her and stuff with him. I think about sex, ah, you know, that kind of thing. Oh. Yeah, I know, it was weird. And, and I agree with you, Shannon. I, Cersei Monica Jackson is a fucking damn good actress. I love her on Dairy Girls. Wasting her in a useless role like this. And look, I know that she probably took it because being the DC universe, this is awesome. Yeah. And being a flash, I got no qualms with her taking the role, but it's just a waste. And the actor who plays uh, his boss, that's a British actor I've seen in so many things. Um, the Kumar is at number 42. He's such a great comic actor and such a good serious actor. Throwing him in for one fucking scene. I, I'm like, what? So there was a lot that just didn't make sense that if you're going to trim the fat, and that includes Kiersey Clements, who was completely useless in this movie. No reason to put her in it, other than to maybe allude to Zack Snyder's Justice League. There was no reason to have her in it. If you cut out those scenes, you've got some extra minutes to feed us in the back half of the movie to give us more depth, more conversation, more nuance, more of a build with these characters of Batgirl and, uh, oh, sorry, Supergirl and uh, Michael Keaton's Batman that would have been more essential and driven the point home a little bit better and left us feeling stronger about the movie after it was over. So yeah, I agree with that. And, but the baby's thing here's a, I will actually defend it and say that you can't actually have real babies in fucking peril like that. I think people would have really viscerally bad reactions to it, especially mothers well, who can't have children or people who've lost babies. Like you don't want to risk that. So making it comical and kind of stupid and making the CGI weird, I didn't mind it. I kind of understood what he was doing. My problem was it seemed like a bad version of what we saw with Evan Peters the first time he did Quicksilver. I thought, like, why are you doing it well, like this? Why did it? Yeah. Why did it feel like a bad version? Oh, because that was so good that version, and it didn't use babies. And if you're gonna, I, I, I think the idea of using babies at all was a dumb idea. Well, so, I agree with you. Well, so Mike, here, well, so babies, I agree. So, do it. so this is the way to do it. Yeah. So you're so like I, you're sort of in that halfway point, and so I sort yes. of half agree with you. It's like, yeah. if if you want to make the point that putting babies in peril is fucking weird and it weirds people out, yeah, I'm on board with you. <laughs> Don't do it. Well, do you fair. know how many people there are? Do you know how many people there are in a fucking hospital that could fall yeah. out of a fucking window that you I need agree. to fucking save that aren't fucking babies? <laughs> okay, Steve. But, <laughs> but if you're going to do babies, like you can't go, hey, yeah. guys, I love that we say baby shower. Let's do it. And then say, but let's make them look super weird so it doesn't make people feel funky. Like, that's a weird choice. I mean, you're throwing one into a microwave that just made a burrito. So to me, I'm like, this makes no sense. But, you know, uh, there you go. Um, what it's I, I, I do want to I do want to highlight Dino guy, where, where Dino got to know what would have thrown real babies. <laughs> What's that? What'd, what'd you say? Which one, Shannon? Oh yeah, Nolan um, would have used real babies. 
Snyder too. Snyder would have absolutely been little babies. <laughs> and one of them died probably too. Um, let's see if there's anything more. Okay, so we've already talked about the Affleck. Okay, uh, uh, anything we want to say on the Aquaman camp? I think we hit it, right? Well, we, let's, we, I mean, I, let's, I, I do want to, I think maybe like let's hit on the ending a little bit because yes, I feel like half of Twitter feels like Clooney is the new Batman and Brave and the Bold. And oh, half yeah, of Twitter because, is like, what are you yeah. talking about? So I do think that yeah. the ending of the movie yeah, let's talk plus the end credit sequence yes. seems like the funkiest, weird yeah. band-aid. Like, I don't know even what to call it. Like, what the fuck is going on with the end of this movie? Right. What are they trying to tell us? Yes, what um, you're asking? Yeah, okay. I'm asking you. Okay. <laughs> Uh, that the, the studio got purchased and we're changing directions. Uh, the thing that we want to do doesn't make sense. Can we can we cast a new Batman yet? No, that's that's not happening. Okay, well, uh, who can we? But there in? was a version. Here's here's what I find super interesting. So apparently, according and and you guys correct me if I'm wrong on this. So the like we said earlier, the original version was Barry gets a call from Bruce. Yeah, yeah. In front of the courthouse, car pulls up. Michael Keaton gets out and Sasha yes. Kaya is there kind yeah, of yeah. saying that they are both now in the mainline DC universe, which was what was going to happen prior to gun and saffron. Yeah, yeah. Then all of the audiences that have seen versions of this movie over the past several months, Barry gets a call from Bruce right in front of the courthouse. The car pulls up. We see feet come out of the car. Ezra looks at them and says, who the fuck are you? But we don't see who the person is. Mm. Which seems like that's the correct version that should happen, knowing that we don't know who Batman is going to be in Brave and the Bold. Right. But then at some point, they decided, no, no, let's have George Clooney yeah. be the Batman. But then you have this post credit sequence with Aquaman, where Barry kind of makes this really weird statement where Aquaman's like, but I was still Aquaman in that universe, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you were still you, but it was this other guy, which makes me feel like, okay, well... So are we now in a different, different universe that are yeah. we trying to say that Ezra and Aquaman have made it to the gun universe, but nobody else has like right. the whole thing is super confusing to me and I'm a super nerd. And yeah. like, I think it's super, super confusing to everybody else, which just sort of underscores my whole DC. You can't get out of your way. You yeah. just keep confusing everybody. Yeah. It's a good point. Cause is this a gun approved final uh, uh, post credit scene? Because remember, Momoa and Ezra showed up at the end of Peacemaker. So is that his way of saying those guys are continuing into my into my universe? Because I think that's a little bit of a bad idea because we just saw Momoa screaming, leaving Warner Brothers like he had dream come true. And pretty much everyone's assuming he's going to be Lobo. And we're already thinking the Aquaman 2 needs to be buried at the bottom of the sea. So it just seemed like an odd cameo on so many levels. Plus him, plus him being right, fair point. Bottom of the quarry, then. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the fact that he is like a drunk and all this kind of stuff, it just seemed really weird on so many levels. So you're right, Mike. They, in essence, were creating a new universe. Uh, because remember, there is no Arthur Curry in the Michael Keaton Batman universe. Right. But there is an Arthur Curry in this one. Uh, and so it's just an interesting but confusing ending on so many levels. Uh, Shannon, your thoughts on this? So the the Ezra ending where he looks at us where they look at a set of feet yeah. and, and he and they say who are you that to me gives the audience the idea that Ezra is going to continue on in this role 
Mm, and right, yes. my guess is Ezra is not going to continue no, on in this role. So um, and I imagine that outside of the movie being a gigantic hit, my guess is the studio had made that decision prior yeah, to this. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the ending with Clooney, I think, puts a nice little bow on it. Like, mm. all right, this this universe is going to continue. Will we go back to it at some point? It's there if we want to use it. More than likely, we're not going to, yeah, but yeah. it is there if we want to use it. I, I think, yeah, like that was I, that was yeah. the point of that. I, I think you're right. I think it's just a shame that for all the things that we've lived through as nerds and geeks in a yeah. in, in these comic book universes, we are now having to live through a lame duck series of movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to go watch a movie. Like, like when Marvel started the end credit sequence, it was supposed to be an exciting, like when Nick Fury showed up at the end of Iron Man and said, let me talk to you about the Avengers initiative. They had no clue if they were ever going to get there. Right, it was a fun, right. wouldn't it be awesome if, yeah. and it's so sad. And again, a little cynical to get to a point with comic book movies where the end credit sequence is like, Hey, this is just here because, because we're not doing this. Yeah. This is just here for no reason. Yeah. Uh, and this is all stemming from Grace Randolph, who who posted that, according to her sources, that Clooney was going to continue as uh, as the Batman and Batman Brave and the Bold. And she had said this months ago, by the way, she had said that her rumors, her sources were telling her that Clooney was going to be the Batman in Batman Brave and the Bold. So when he showed up here at the end of The Flash, I think that's what got tongues wagging on the Internet, who had who had followed Grace's story. So who knows if it's gonna happen or not gonna happen but it's uh, i very would be i think yeah beyond shocked <laughs> like i don't even know the word that i would be if they came out and said and george clooney is going to be batman and brave and the bold <laughs> um i don't know <laughs> remember how we got we got knocked for casting an older batman guess what we're going older <laughs> um all right let's speed force our way through the Streamlabs and super chats and if anything else you guys want to bring up we'll bring it up because i think we've really you know, kind of dived into everything with this movie. Um, all right. Brandon says, uh, wanted to back up my comment about Christian Bale. Technically his Batman and Keaton's Batman never saw any supernatural threats in their respective films. So the Zod invasion would have been new for both of the characters. Sure. By the way, that's a great point. And I really wish even with the Keaton Batman, they had made more of, uh, a deal of that. Like, yeah. That like this is beyond anything that at least that we know that Michael Keaton's Batman ever dealt with. And that would have been really interesting. Yeah. Again, a conversation between him and Kaye or Kara talking about tell me about the Kryptonians. Tell me about your weaknesses. Tell me about you. Batman would want to know everything about Kryptonians so that he could come up with a plan. So him and Kara could have come up with a plan to attack Zod. Uh, that would have been the better choice. Yeah. Um, all right. Shannon, any thoughts on that or do you, are you good to move on? No, I mean, you can make the argument with Batman and Robin that, you know, with Poison Ivy and Mr. Freeze, it's like, okay, this is some bigger stuff, but that wasn't Keaton. No, that right. Was Clooney. That was Clooney, yeah. Fantastic says, I wanted to see a universe where Barry's responsible for his dad's death oh, because he changed the past so his dad didn't have to leave the market. I think we hit that already earlier. That would have been so. awesome. Yeah. That would have been really interesting. I agree. Jay West says, Keaton's Batman seemed like he was not phased by Zod. What are the threats do you think his Batman faced off against after Batman returns. Oh, that's a great question. Nipples. <laughs> Nipples on the bat suit. No, that's no, not Chris, not Kilmer's Batman. Nipples. <laughs> I don't know. Batmite. 
Batmite. Fucking Batmite. <laughs> played played by Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> oh my god, that would have been great. Uh, Derek Johnson says, always love the show, guys. Thanks for letting me get this smoke off my chest. Of course, Derek. We love having you, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, we, I don't think we've ever seen this smoke this yeah. much smoke come from Derek. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. <laughs> JC Midas is Club Shannon, where uh, where beats hump. There you go. Oh, Jesus. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> beats hump in between, you get dad jokes. That's true. Cooley Heiser says, hey, pals, Flash was I Excited to see Andy Muschietti direct The Brave and the Bold, though. Also, I thought about John Schnapp when I saw Nick Cage's Superman as well. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, listen real quick. Uh, Muschietti directing Brave and the Bold. Do you guys think this is a good thing now in light of the Flash coming out? Do we not blame Muschietti for this because it was kind of like a crazy situation to direct a movie in? Do we have more hope for Brave and the Bold, gentlemen? No, we said this on our main show this week and we talked yeah. about it, but or last week. But I'm I'm nervous about the tone. I think Muschietti mm-hmm. makes some beautiful images. Like like look, despite some of the, my story issues, there there's some shots in this movie that are beautiful. Yeah. And I think The Brave and the Bold could be a beautiful beautiful movie, but a Batman movie in general tonally is always a challenge. Yes. A Batman movie where you have Damian Wayne is an additional yeah. tonal challenge, like 100%. figuring out the balance of humor, comedy, darkness, pathos, emotion, like that's a that's a tall order. And so I would say looking at the comedy versus emotion balance of the flash, I'm a little worried. Okay. And to add one more wrinkle into what Vogel just presented, a Batman movie with Damian Wayne in a universe where superheroes are, have populated the globe. Like there's, there's a lot to throw. There's a lot to throw at the wall with that one. Yeah. I don't think I'd be as negative about a Clooney Batman as you guys, because I don't think he really had a fair shot at it in that fourth film. And I think just like Ben coming back to do Batman in this movie and saying he really figured it out. And I thought he was fantastic in the scenes we got with Affleck. Maybe there's a different approach to this Batman under a different direction that Clooney could work in and would be a much better Batman than he got. So why not? We got Hayden back to play fucking uh, Anakin again. Why wouldn't we get Clooney back? It's not even that I hate the idea. It's not even that I hate the idea of Clooney as a Batman. I just think this is a non-starter. And the fact that DC has thrown this into the mix and made everybody have this even, the the discussion that we are having is more of an issue to me than Clooney being Batman if he was actually going to be Batman. You make an excellent point, Mike. You're right. Well, and another wrinkle with Clooney, if this is the Batman to start off your new universe, casting a guy in his 60s, Maybe yeah. not the strongest choice. Right. And what if he's Batman for Batman Beyond? Would you guys be okay with that? And it's not Keaton? No, you got to go Michael Keaton. All right. No, because Terry McGinnis is not part of the mainline. Come on, man. You're confusing me, man. <laughs> you're getting all wacky. You're turning, you're turning this whole thing into fucking spaghetti. <laughs> Just saying, James Gunn had auditions on the same weekend. As the Flash came out. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Anyway, Brandon says Aquaman 2 could still have the female audience boosting the ticket sales. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Lady, ladies like Momoa. Ladies I like guess. Momoa. I guess. Maybe. Uh, Aisha Kenya says, can you explain the age difference between Kara and Superman? She said they were sent as babies, but she looked a lot younger in age. Um, um, yeah, Cara, Kal-El uh, was sent as a baby. Kal-El was sent as a baby, right. They, yeah, they were not both sent as babies. First of all, Kara was always older than Kal-El and yeah. also in different versions of the story um, through different space warp, different things, asteroids. I don't know what uh, Kal-El's 
uh, rocket got to Earth faster than Kara's. So even though she was supposed to get there earlier in some versions, yeah, she yeah. ended up getting there later. Okay, cool. All right, fair enough. Um, uh, Chris Cox says, the whole baby scene, including Batman on the bike, was so bad I was convinced this was all in Barry's head and not really happening. Oops. <laughs> it- <laughs> Uh, and Derek Johnson says, if I had known Michael was going to start dropping F-bombs and expressing exactly how I feel about this movie, I would have donated more. Can we agree to stop <laughs> accepting this type of 90s storytelling with comics? Uh, yeah, Mike, thoughts on that? Yeah, I do think, look, I mean, again, I will talk about Across the, I will talk about across the Spider-Verse all day long. But when mm-hmm. you have movies like Across the Spider-Verse that are coming out and they are elevating the way that we tell superhero stories, narratively, emotionally, visually, that when you see something like The Flash, you kind of go like, this is fine, but this is kind of a, a not as good version of some of the other really good things that we've seen. Like, yeah. push the envelope. Give me more. And I think we're at that point with superhero stories. And I think you're seeing this with Marvel phase four and phase five. We're seeing this across the board. It's like, we all love superhero movies. We don't have superhero movie fatigue, but we do have giving us the same thing over and over again, fatigue. And we want you to push the envelope. And so push the fucking envelope. Yeah. I think we're in the final stages of the superhero stuff. I really do. Because I think we can only push the envelope so much to where other artists are not going to be able to match the pushing of the envelope. And I think the audience themselves are like, well, I'm not going to go back until you can at the numbers that I did before. And this happens to every genre, by the way, every, you know, Westerns, whatever, like it happens. Eventually the, the, the public demands greater stuff. So what you're going to see is yes, there will be a future where we don't get a superhero film for two or three years. And then we get one and it's really good. And so that may be like, like Unforgiven or, you know, those kinds of Westerns that come up every once in a while that are really good. I think Silverado, Silverado. Yes, exactly. So it's something that pushes the envelope, but takes some time to develop. Uh, And maybe across the Spider-Verse may be the path in the end, like four or five years of space and then bang another installment. Who knows? Um, Brandon says, uh, last comment. I wish for one standalone Ben Affleck movie, low budget, 120 million, low budget, 120 million, <laughs> double villain action against Deathstroke and the Royal Flush Gang. I like By the this. way, I for all that I have said that I do not enjoy Ben Affleck as Batman, I am not mad at this idea. Yeah, neither am I. Not mad. I I would love to see one movie with a really great fucking script that just, and not like Ben Affleck has to deal with all the justice league and all of this, like just like a Ben Affleck being Batman, Bruce Wayne dealing with some shit. And it's a very straightforward movie. Like you think about what's that movie, the accountant that he's in. Is yeah, that the one good. That, yeah. Like you think of a movie like the accountant, but like, give me the Batman version of that. Like, no, I, I'd be in, I'd go see it. Uh, yeah, I think two things coming out of this movie, right? Or three things, actually. Keaton, thats a, I think that's the last we'll see of him. I really do. Oh, yeah. Last we'll see of Ezra Miller in, in, in the role. But Sasha Kaye and Ben Affleck come out of this looking really good. So I think if, mm-hmm. if, if Gunn is smart and if Zaslav is smart, you tell Ben, go and make your Batman movie that you wanted to direct way back when. Do the solo Batman movie. It has nothing to do with the overall universe. And it's a solo adventure movie. And let's see what you make. And I think that would be, I think people would be excited about that. And you'd bring back Jeremy Irons as Alfred and you have a full movie where they're both together doing an adventure or doing a thing 
uh, I think would have been, I think that would be awesome to see. Yeah. I think because, if Matt Reeves, Batman didn't exist, that yeah. could potentially because, happen. Because, but as because stands, all we need, because all we need, in, <laughs> we all we need is another Batman in theaters. We got seven Jokers and three Harley Quinns. I think we can handle another Batman. <laughs> uh, the Cali Kid says, uh, "I my review of the Flash. I loved it. It was fun. All right, Cali, absolutely respect that too." Um, all right, let's hit some of these Streamlabs here as we're wrapping up. I am too flam. I am too fly. Cam says, "I don't often feel bad for millionaires, but I do feel bad for Sasha Kaye. She deserved a better movie than this. Too bad it's going to lose so much money. Anyone associated with this dud cannot continue." into the new dc that includes the director in my opinion well that's not gonna happen i don't think so well yeah never say never we'll see what happens so, i mean kathleen kennedy's not running if kathleen kennedy was running dc i think uh Muschietti would have already been let go from brave and the bolt so i i don't know necessarily if that's going to happen and i don't mean that as a negative because she does that and it's most it's worked out most way more often than not so just throwing it out there um let's see jake the nerd has two of them here he says ted talk ted talk ted talk uh, uh, <laughs> echoing michael's uh, uh comment there i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it <laughs> yeah we gotta say if, if don't say it if we're, if we're gonna put it if we put together a patreon we would like to do that for sure so uh if you guys have thoughts on those you can dm us or tweet us some ideas of what you'd love to see from a patreon it could be a lot of fun for the geek buddies uh the jake jake the nerd also said so who's up for clooney as guns batman lol i'm just saying Everyone screamed. Also, John Schmigadoon is musical magic on Apple TV Plus. LOL. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. So Schmigadoon's a blast. You'll like it. Uh, Fredtastic says, oh, no, we already got to that one. I am too fly cam. We already got to that one. Oh, Philly G says, the last moment Barry has with his mom crushed me like Thor's moment with Frigga in Endgame. Oh, yeah, that's a great comparison. But uh, more so since there wasn't humor added to it. Loved Sasha Kaye. Hope to see more of her. Loved old Barry trying to run without the speed force. That was a funny moment. I thought that, although I think he would have sensed the speed force that was had left his body, that was a funny moment of him running that around. That was a fun comedy moment. Yeah. yeah. D- dis- disagree. disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the moment, the moment where Barry face plants into the wall, that pen that Vogel talked about that we heard yeah. at the end of the movie, that's when I heard it. That's when I heard it the first time hilarious all right philly g says when we first see barry in the chrono bowl and the odd cgi immediately i thought about Muschietti's choice for how the hobo looked in it when he went after barry in the street and the face was done with cheap looking cgi yeah i think this is a style choice by Muschietti. whether we want to like whether we like it or not is a separate conversation but i think it is a style choice is it a style choice or is it a director who's not comfortable with vfx oh that's a fair point i hadn't looked at it that way that could be true that could be true um haskell has two of them here hey guys i hated the cgi babies okay not only do they look horrible while i get that they're not going to use real babies either film real ones and paste them into the shot make the nurse cgi too and say this is how barry sees people while running fast or don't use that sequence at all hated the ending as derek mentioned barry learning nothing and changing the past again and iris iris says she remembers meeting barry but they didn't meet in justice league he saved her in HBO's Zack Snyder's Just League. So Zack Snyder's Just League is now canon and Just League isn't. Yeah, I think that was kind of the low-key um, confirmation that Zack Snyder's Just League is canon for this particular universe. So, yeah. Uh, gentlemen, thoughts on anything wow. else? Wow. It's yeah. almost like DC has made things so confusing that it's hard to tell what's what. <laughs> it's like the like like let's just be real for a yeah, minute yeah, yeah. when you're at a point where you're like 
is this version of Justice League canon or is this version mm. of Justice League canon? You are not in a great spot. Yeah. And you don't have an answer. You are not in a great spot. You're right about that. Uh, <laughs> Pally Kid also saying, uh, Michael Keaton and Sasha Kali were my co MVPs. I respect that. I agree. Sort of I think we're sort of all on that page. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And Marissa Stalker saying, just wanted to say, I came to the Geek Buddies long ago for Roca, but fell just as hard for Mike and Shannon. Thanks for all you do. Oh, thanks, Marissa. I'm glad, I'm glad you found your way here, however you found your way here, because we love having you all hanging out with us. All right. I want to ask one last question to wrap up this review. Actually, let me take one more quick break, and then I'm going to ask this last question, then we'll get on out of here after this. We're back right after this. You got nothing again. Oh my uh, I got nothing. My, my wife is texting me saying oh, she's okay. about to start drinking if I don't get out this. Are you done yet? Um, all right. One last question. Um, do you guys, what do you guys see for the future of DC now? I mean, this, this is a shock to everybody involved with this movie. Everybody. I mean, Zaslav, the number one guy held on to this thing, dealt with the bullshit from uh, that were coming around all the stuff, the accusations about Ezra. He wrote it all out. He scrapped Batgirl, which looks really stupid. Now he let Shazam two come out and now he's let this movie come out and it is crashed. And it is going to keep crashing for the next few weeks and leave a bad, bad uh, taste in their mouths. James Gunn is holding these auditions for Superman Legacy. Uh, he's saying Blue Beetle is going to carry over into his universe. So what are your thoughts going forward with DC? Is this going to work or is this not going to work? Gentlemen. Shannon? Well, I mean... My guess, personally, I would say hard reboot. Yeah, what would you? Hard, I guess that's it. What would you do right now to to go forward with DC? Sorry. Yeah, I mean hard reboot, hard reboot at this point. I think everything that came before it, even even Peacemaker, as much as I enjoyed that first <gasps> season, I'm like, I think yeah. you gotta, I think you gotta throw the baby out with the bathwater <laughs> at this point. If you want this cinematic universe to fly then there ha hey. there can't be any <laughs> yeah. there can't be any confusion going forward like this is a new universe here is the starting point here we go even again even though i loved I, peacemaker i i got to say i i don't always agree with the bottom geek buddy but uh <laughs> whoa whoa yeah but uh <laughs> but no i think for for, I for those listening on the podcast my screen is on the <laughs> Sure, 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 sure. That's what I meant. Good um, anyways, no, I, I, I think, Shannon, like, look, I, I actually, even though I hate the Aquaman movies, I think Jason Momoa as Aquaman is fun. I I've, I've always liked Gal as Wonder Woman, despite Wonder Woman 84. I think, I think Viola Davis is, is great as Amanda Waller. I really thought Peacemaker season one was awesome. Yeah. But Shannon's actually right. It is such a fucking mess at this point, and they keep trying to do this sort of, yeah. well, it's these people, but not these people. Well, it's a new Superman, but, and the only, at this point, I kind of feel like, and maybe Blue Beetle is an exception. If the movie's amazing, I don't know, but like, right. they have got to, like, there's a way that Aquaman 2 comes out and we just all forget about it, but we love Blue Beetle and Blue Beetle is sort of our soft reboot in the same way that Spider-Man Homecoming, or Far From Home was sort of our soft ending to phase three. Like, I don't know, but even now I'm trying to do what I'm saying you shouldn't do. Yeah, yeah. They need to do a hard reboot. Like, yeah. 
fuck everything that came before, whether it was good or bad. The whole thing is tainted. The whole thing is a mess. Like there's been good stuff in there, but at this point you have confused us so much. Like we're all arguing about how confusing phase five is of Marvel and that we're not loving where they're going. And they have done a way better job of being clear on what's what than DC has. Like DC is such a fucking, it's spaghetti. It actually is spaghetti and you need to untangle it. They were kind of being meta without knowing they were being meta about their own universe. That's a actually a really good point, Michael, for sure. Yeah, I agree with Shannon. A hard reboot. And yeah, I mean, part of being a hard reboot is having to make the hard choices. So if you can fuck the Snyder fans over by getting rid of Superman and Cavill and Gal Gadot, well, you better get you better be able to fuck your own universe over and your own people over by getting rid of Peacemaker and get like to show that you are going to do a hard reset. And then you're going to start over again and start a whole new process. I'm sure you'll find room for another role for Jennifer or your wife there. I'm sure there's something there in the new DC universe that'll be fun for her to play because she's kick-ass and peacemaker. But there's something there. So start all over again. Reboot it. Reset it. Blue Beetle will be great. But this feels just like Fox with the new mutants and um, Apocalypse or or whatever it was with the um, with uh, uh, Jessica Chastain. I even forget the name of that. Oh, Dark Phoenix. Like we knew those were dead lame duck movies. So get rid of them. Listen, release Aquaman. But I will say this, Mike, one last thing. Release Batgirl, because right now I don't trust Zaslav's fucking opinion about a movie at all. If he released Shazam 2 and The Flash, but somehow Batgirl was unsavable, unwatchable, bull fucking shit. I, Show me that movie. Yeah. I will just say this because it's very apropos of our review today. Mm-hmm. There is a phrase in writing, because a lot of times what happens when you write a script is you have those golden scenes. Like you're writing a script and you get a scene and you're like, this is the best scene I've ever written. Yeah. And then as you're trying to go through the script and make the story work and make the story work, Sometimes it's your best scenes that you have to get yeah. rid of. Yeah. And they call it killing your babies. <laughs> and given the flash, yeah. I think it is fair to say <laughs> that what DC needs to do right now is they need to get a fresh start and they need to kill their babies, kill CG their- and otherwise. <laughs> there you go. All right. Two last super chats. We're out of here. Cooley High says this movie was made when Snyderverse was a thing. That's a fair yep. point. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, far back, that's how far back he goes. And Shay Luna Midnight says, please do a 30 minute video someday how the Geek Buddies would approach multi universe concepts to the public audience. Yeah, that you know, we could do those once a month, 30 minute things. We should. They, what is our version? What is our version of TED Talks? We, we need to, to come up with a good phrase. Shannon, hey, okay. Shannon, you're the guy. We need a geeky <laughs> version of TED Talks. Go. All right. Oh, right. This Get second. on that. No, think, no, no. Think, you can go, you oh, can go okay. think about it. You can go think about it. <laughs> so, I think tonight's the night we've kind of decided to do a Patreon. So letting you all know, we'll be working on it. So send in your thoughts and, and your questions, any thoughts and comments. All right. That's it. That's the deal here. We'll see what happens with the flash. Guys, seems like- I see you all in the chat. It's babies and darlings. I have heard both. It's not always darlings. Leave me alone. It's babies too. He's had a couple of berries in him. Come on. Um, oh, drinks, I mean. Drinks. <laughs> yeah, uh, all right. Anyway, let's, let's get on out of here. Thanks so much for joining us tonight, y'all. We appreciate it. As I said, you guys can go other places and watch live spoiler reviews or spoiler reviews. So we appreciate the 450 of you who've been with us for a majority of this review. Please remember at this time to subscribe uh, to the channel. Just letting you know, subscribe to the channel right now. I know these two gentlemen uh, are going to give you some more things to do, but please subscribe to the channel and hit that bell button. Shannon, what do we have to tell? 
Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune, where you can kill your darlings. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, <laughs> it is at the Roca says. Absolutely. Uh, Michael, please. All right, here's what I need you to do. I need you to kill your babies, first of all. Figuratively. Figuratively. Uh, I need you to hit the like button below. I need you to hit the subscribe button to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Check out all the amazing content. If you are not watching this video live, leave your comments below. You have missed out on a wild live chat, but it can get really exciting below too. So let's get it going in the chat down there. Uh, if you are listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave us some stars. Leave us some comments. Helps us go up in the rankings so more people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your social, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. Yeah, and I can't reinforce what Michael said enough. We are on a new server now, Realm FM. They are carrying us now. Great way to show them that we have a strong Geek Buddies audience is for you all to watch, who watch us here. We get into the thousands to head over and subscribe to us wherever you download podcasts so that we can show them stronger and stronger numbers every week. So if you're listening to us, please do that. We would appreciate it very much. Major Laser wants to know what's our next review. I think it's Indiana Jones. Yes, gentlemen. Is that the next? Uh, uh, well, uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, once you see I, it. Oh, no. I think, we have a, I think we have a secret invasion coming oh, out in a couple that's days. Right. Yes, that's right. Secret invasion. Yes, yes. We will do that one as well. So look out for that. We'll definitely be doing it. Shawnee Bear says, uh, Nick Kitchen and Camo made me cry for the king of the sweaty snap. Absolutely. Made Absolutely. me cry for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get on out of here you guys are awesome take care of yourselves be well and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the geek buddies <gasps> hey! Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.